Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Hello, and you're very welcome to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe, together with Guinness. We have a great show come up for you all. We're going to be joined by former Springboks and Munster player John de Villiers in his home in South Africa. We'll also be chatting to Leinster lock Ryan Baird about his breakthrough season and uh, how we got on training with Ireland, etc., etc. In our classic match and your homework to do, we have the album uh, Bonnie Vare's 22 A Million. We've got a film by uh, starring Jim Carey, The Truman Show, and we've also got Ireland's second test victory against Australia in 2018. Andrew Trimble, have you done your homework? Yes, I've done. Uh, yeah, I've done a decent bit of homework. I don't know much about Bonnie Vare, so we might have to bring in um, our resident dork. He, he is not he is not a dork okay he yeah, he's he is te- my, he's more technical than us he is my spirit he's my spirit animal because he's 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 kind of like an animal of some sort uh it's it's Dermot, our our visual engineer who's very passionate about bon Iver, as am i you were and i were both supposed to be going to see bon Iver tonight in the three arena with Dermot until all this uh this madness happened. So yeah. was Dermot going with you? Uh, sure. Yeah. So sure, that's what I was imagining. Me with my mates, <laughs> you with your mates and Der- Dermot with his mates. <laughs> and we all yeah. bump into each other like, well, what are you, yeah. you doing? What's going on here? Who are you yeah. hanging out with? Yeah, different times now, man. We're all here. And yeah. we've got to ch- channel that energy like as if we were we were there. So we'll talk about it at the end after we get through all the interviews. Um, talk to me about your week, though. Um, First of all, is how, it John? Is it John or Jean? It's it's either John, John or Jean. Uh, Pat has called him Jean. Jean. Pat okay. called him something. There was a third option there. Pat called yawn, him yawn, 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 <laughs> yeah. yawn, like a yawn. Why, why A W N? Yeah, he called him yawn. So there's four options. Yeah. If it's yawn, then it should be de Villiers. <laughs> Very true. I, so, yeah, I'm going to go with a G. I used to call him Gene when he played for Monster. So, yeah. It's, uh, Gene, it's it is. Gene, it is. Um, My week was good. Um, we'll update you on the cat. Go on, <laughs> Ginger. Um, my, my ginger cat is trying to get out the door here, and he's like looking at me. But I'm not. He's not. Sorry, man. It's not happening. Yeah. Go on. Ginger got into the house, and uh, Molly got too familiar with her, and uh, Molly got scrubbed. Molly got scrubbed in the hand. Oh no! Yeah. Very challenging. Ooh. Challenging week for you know cat relations. Did, did you house. witness it? No, but I saw Molly. Well, sorry, it was outside. Then Molly came running in, and she had two red red lines drawn blood. What so, did she? What did Molly do to the cat? Exactly. It, it, you're right to ask that question. But mm-hmm. You are. You would also be wise to remember that Molly is three, <laughs> <laughs> and Molly does not deserve any blame. Uh, I, yeah, fair blame enough. I blame Molly's mother for bringing that cat. <laughs> she has to early, learn that was early in the week right molly got scrubbed came in in tears hated ginger ginger was hated in the house and then yeah. like as the week went on gradually ginger started getting back in her good, good, good books more and more and then all of a sudden she's staying the night again <laughs> so that's what happens man yeah they, it was like a, it's like it, it's it's a movie plot i think it's um 
like a rom-com or something just where things start to go a bit hairy you know there's a lovely you, bit at the start I'm t- I'm it's like you that. you and me and dupree or something like that yeah <laughs> yes i was just mm-hmm. imagining um like a wayne's world um scene where ginger is uh, it's not the same context but ginger's up against the window like this <laughs> cassandra <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same context at to, all. to anna to anna to yeah. anna yeah anyway anna like wanted to bring her back in so she's back in the good books again so we're back on back in good terms with ginger okay um that's amazing i'm delighted to hear that they're yeah. they're wonderful animals um we've had an interesting week here I've, i realize our, we have in, we've inconsistencies in this show that i love um like i've i tried i made some sort of a weird attempt last week to do some do's and barry's do's and don'ts and then i just kind of ab- abandoned it halfway through um and then no, it would be you were three there were not, three do three do, oh maybe you didn't do the don'ts you did the three i don't barry think the, i don't think there was any yeah there was no don'ts <laughs> but i'm a I, i'm a i'm a glass half full kind of guy so maybe that's why you know um so this week I've said I'd, I'd set aside some proper don'ts. Um, I, I, so I've got, I've got three, right? I'm going to go don'ts first and then I'm going to go to the do's. So um, don't, and this could be controversial, don't watch Ozark it, in this time. It's dark, it's, it's depressing, um, and I don't know, I, I don't think it's going to do anything for you. Be a good thing to watch when you're back to work and life is grand and you're doing your thing. No, no harm watching it then on Monday night. But in this current climate, um, or, or potentially, you know, get all the bad stuff out of the way now. There's no point in bringing yourself down whenever things get back on track again. <laughs> just, just remind just, yourself of the miserable day. Yeah, because it's like the option of not watching it at all isn't really an option. You have to watch it. It's <laughs> you like have to watch it. It's like, if yeah. you're going to complete Netflix, you got to watch Ozark. Yeah, it's like you got to <laughs> yes, you got to well, do. Ozark it's like could be like um, is it M Bison in Street Fighter Two? Um, he's the yeah. final guy at the end. Right at the end, just do just do Ozark and then get it done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think I threw a tantrum against them by someone. I got beat by him five times in a row through <laughs> my Super Nintendo controller at the TV. <laughs> my bro, my brother used to play Mortal Kombat, right? So much, and we had this setup in the sitting room where I used to lie on the couch and I'd be watching telly, and we had the little crappy TV in the corner, and he used to sit on a little uh, poof and play, and uh, he was playing Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Uh, it's a little little chair thing he used to sit on and uh he was playing and he used to lose all the time to whoever the equivalent was in mortal Kombat. was the last guy i'm sure sure someone might know pat will definitely know this um and he'd lose to him and then i could see him getting more frustrated more frustrated and next thing i just heard this this slap and i looked over and he had uh passed out on the ground right he was unconscious on the ground (laughs) I was like, what? And then, it, then he woke up and then he's like 10 or less than 10, maybe seven or eight. Like I was like, what did you do? And he goes, I, I don't know. I just, I just fell over. But what he used to do was when he'd lose, he'd go like this and hold his breath for, for like 30 seconds to vent his frustration. And he fucking fa- fainted in the middle. Uh, right. So that's number one. Okay. Ozark. Number two, I put a plastic container in the microwave and it melted. Like, how long am I using microwaves now? 30 years? Um, and I put a, a non, like a, like a Chinese container. Do you know those things that you get in the Chinese food container? One of them in the melt. microwave. Oh, it's, ah, it's flimsy plastic, like. Yeah. Um, and it melted. Did um, you leave overnight in the microwave? <laughs> no, just for t- three minutes, man. I was heating some, some sweet potatoes. But um, do, you know, do you know when you used to burn popcorn in the microwave and it would leave a smell in your kitchen for years? Mm. Yeah. Got that smell in my kitchen now. Mm. Um, but on a positive note, while, while it happened, 
this is the glass half full thing again. I was listening to an audiobook about Charles Manson and the uh, Manson family murders, which is quite grim, but it is an unbelievable book called Chaos. So there was, it was understandable why this happened. <laughs> you were listening to an audiobook about um, a serial killer um, whilst potentially your house was burning down and you were murdering your own family. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking that as well. He could have been responsible for even more death. Yeah, fucking from beyond the grave, evil so, bastards. So the long story short, Barry don't isn't is um don't microwave plastic while listening to Manson. while listening product. to Charlie Manson because he <laughs> he could be possessing you. Um, yeah, second and third one. I pulled my calf training mm. uh, for the Johnny Murphy uh, rugby run, which has become the bane of my life, but I'm still determined to do it. It's on next Saturday uh, at 10 a.m. I believe. But I was out for a run, so it's a 5K run. I did two and a half kilometers away from my house and then literally on two and a half kilometers, I pulled my calf um, and then had to limp home for two and a half kilometers. Um, But um, again, glass half full. I met a farmer who owns the field across the road from my uh, housing estate who I'd never met before. But, and I hope he doesn't listen to our show. I don't think he is because he lives on his own. He's in his 80s, but... um, I keep going to his field late at night, like at 10 or a half, 10 at night to just to spend some time in, um, in a field because we don't have much green area around here and it's a nice field and I like to go and look at the stars. So I met him and I built a relationship with him over 45 minutes while I was kind of resting my calf. And, uh, now that if he did catch me in the field, at least I'd, um, I'd have a, a way to tell him like, Oh, it's me. I'm the guy that, that's, that's the sound to you. Um, and then, that brings me into the positive do's. Mm-hmm. So do do go into a field at half ten at night because the most incredible thing happened. So I went to the field last Wednesday night, and I've told you this, but yeah, our this. wonderful pe- wonderful penguins haven't heard this. And um, I witnessed something incredible. So there was like sixteen lights going across the the sky up in space, like that high up. And I was like, what? Like from one side of the horizon to the next. And I was like, what is that? That is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. So I was like, thought I might be seeing aliens or something. And I looked up my three, like first point to call contacts for a certain situation. Or that my wife was first because she was only about 500 meters away. So I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't seeing things. So she came out and she confirmed what I was seeing. That was first point. Baz O'Mahony, former Munster rugby player, huge into space. He was over in Atlanta, Georgia. Rang him to see if he knew what it was. Didn't really have many answers for me. Rang my brother, who is quite knowledgeable. And uh, he said it was a load of airplanes, but they were like going in a straight line. And he said, oh yeah, airplanes have like a, they go in like a track that they go on one after another. It's like, that is horseshit. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so it turns out it was, uh, it was Elon Musk's uh, st- satellite Starlink train, which um, which was going from one side of the sky to the next, and apparently you could only see it in certain parts of the world. It was up in space. Wow! And one of those parts of the world was your man's field. Exactly. Jeez. So go for a walk in a field. Okay, and my do number three or two, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. Um, have you watched all of it? Watched. Maybe four, three or four episodes. Oh, that hasn't been fully released yet, but everything they've released, um, unbelievable. I'm giving you Scotty Pippen. We've talked about this already. 
I'm going to go with Dennis Rodman for myself because. Um, so whenever you said that initially, I was offended. Um, but having watched it since, it's fine not yeah. to be Jordan. Not everybody gets to be Jordan, and being Scottie Pippen is fine. It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, like, I love the part where where Scottie Pippen, like, the sad music came on, and they were like that he he got screwed over for not um getting a good contract, and like he only made eighteen million over those six years. It was like, yeah, yeah oh, and he says, uh, poor and he Scottie goes, Pippen. Yeah, and he goes, my time will come. <laughs> Your time has come already, man. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! I mean, where is the benchmark when you're feeling sorry for that fella? Um, so I, I also found it very interesting that he was only six foot one when he was in first year in college, and he then became what six foot? He grew five or six inches in a year yeah. over the summer or something like that, <laughs> um, which is insane, and which was pretty interesting to think like that he would have had to develop a lot of other sides of his game to compete with players. I think he was quite a defensive player when he was younger. Mm. Um, and he developed a lot of, which is an interesting, you know, side of sport, especially um, sport like basketball or even rugby, where you develop certain skills or a way of playing the game as a teenager. And then all of a sudden you get a growth spurt and you're massive. And then he went yeah. on to become incredibly skillful and probably quite evasive because he was small and then had the speed and size and power to just smash lads. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. And I've actually come across this recently, but, uh, not to get too nerdy about it, but um, speaking to a couple of um, academy S&C coaches, there's a thing called biobanding, and they track young young players, and they, they track their age of maturation, like as in whenever they go through that growth spurt. And if they haven't, they, they kind of treat them differently, manage their load differently, and then I so I read a couple of journals on this, and the guys who mature later, they're always the guys who do better because they um, they, they they learn to cope with bigger yeah. guys. Yeah, because there was always that guy in school who could you know who was six foot. Where are they now? When he was a when he's a kid, and they're yeah, unemployed. they're all unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting, man. Like. Um, I definitely, because I was very skinny, as you have always pointed out to me, I was very skinny and under underweight for a rugby player, that I, I was more about not letting anyone even lay a hand on me. Because if mm. they did, if they, if they even got a finger on me, they'd tackle me. So I had to be so evasive that it was like one of them ones, you know, when you're like, eh, don't even touch me or I'll fall over. Yes. Um, you must have took yourself aside at one stage and said, you know what? I need to dummy more dummies, dummy, dummy, dummy all day. Yeah. One of yeah. Barry's do's dummy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One of Barry's don't, don't run into contact. You'll, you'll die. Um, so yeah, I think there's loads. We could have a whole podcast on that. Jesus Christ. Um, I also enjoyed the size of the suits, massive suits. Um, quite hilarious. Uh, yeah. I just it lasted was... quite a while as well. Lasted from like mid eighties all the way to late nineties. Mm. Big suits. Yeah. Yeah, I'm and I'm I'm just Jordan. Uh, he came like I'm reading ti- a book about Tiger Woods by Jeff Benedict. Another do if anyone is looking for something to do, read this book or listen to the audiobook. Unbelievable. That um, or dummy, one of them or dummy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's he just gets really into the nitty gritty of uh, what Tiger Woods was up to, like how he became uh, so good and then how it all fell apart. But he talks about how much of an asshole Tiger Woods was, like the quintessential asshole and 
apparent, and he met and he calls out Michael Jordan in the book as well as being an asshole. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And then Jordan, like, comes across very single minded, obviously. I'm sure he had a lot to do with this documentary, so he's not going to come across like a prick in the documentary, but incredibly kind of hard on people and. He comes out of a little bit of a dick, like when people when he's walking around the place and people are so uncomfortable around him, aren't they? Does like, do you ever notice like people trying to shake his hand or whatever? They don't really know what to do mm. and stuff like that. Um, so it's just another another thing. We sorry, the cat, the ginger cat is trying to get in here. Another, <laughs> we could spend a whole podcast talking I don't about. Think, it. I don't think you can be as good as I don't think you can be that person. Be as good as he was without without being a, without being a little bit of a dickhead to people. I know that's there's probably people wouldn't agree with that, but I think to even even in business or anything, I think to get to that level of success, you need to be so cutthroat and throw, so kind of one dimensional in your life. Mm. Well, that's what they say about Tiger Woods. That's your man made the point that he's like everyone else was too busy, uh, you know, being nice to people and being social while they're on the golf course after the yeah. golf, et cetera, et cetera. But for the first, I suppose, for the nineties anyway, Tiger Woods was like didn't talk to anyone, didn't even cross his mind to look up or acknowledge anything on the golf course but his next shot and that's why he couldn't no one could he there was no fault there was nothing you know even when it came to crunch shots or crunch holes it was like nah, easy the way um, someone whereas, explained this to me was um uh so sports people in particular they're they're not when they're not well-rounded they're spiky because they're so good at one thing they have to compromise on another area of their life and I read a book there recently uh, by like a Bob I- Iger or Eisner. He was the CEO of Disney for years. So he was the CEO of ABC. They got acquired by Disney. Then Disney acquired Marvel, Lucasfilm, 21st Century. So he was like, he considered running for president at one stage. But maybe into his career at ABC, he was talking about how he was just a workaholic. He was just flat out. Just, just nailing all these tasks, like smashing everything, really rising his stock in the company. And I was thinking, I wonder what his family life's like. And then sure enough, maybe, I don't know, 80 pages in or something, it's like, then he broke up with his first wife. I'm like, mm. you know, something has to give. If you're going to be that That's committed it. and that good in one area, you know, then something has to give, as did with Tiger as well. Absolutely. You know, I'm not saying, a... Obviously, that's not always the case, but you know, there's, there's no, it is. It is. If you make <laughs> if you make sacrifices, yeah. Then... Well, I I was like after reading the the book and list and watching that full show on Wednesday, I was like, right, that's it. I'm leaving my family. I'm, I don't care. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna become the best basketball player, got slash golfer on the planet. I don't care. Get out of my way. But then I went out into the field. And I saw all those spit lights up in there and I was like, oh, fuck that. That's out the window. <laughs> aliens, aliens. <laughs> That's where it's at. And then the feckin' US military released those UFO things the next morning, the videos, just out of nowhere. Did you see that? Yes, yes. No, no, I Next morning, the, the, the US military released all these videos of, uh, of uh, UFOs that were flaking around America a few years ago. And they were, the guy was on Joe Rogan talking about him going, this oh, is yeah. legit. And then uh, the US military, just in the middle of all this, madness went oh uh, yeah aliens pretty much exist um so that had happened then the next morning so i was like that's what it was it was the fit this before i knew that they were elon musk's <laughs> they're more aliens um so then i was like maybe michael jordan is an alien and maybe they're and so is tiger woods and they were sent here with coronavirus to poison a lot of us you heard it here first i think we've successfully tied up the intro <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs>
Will we get John de Villiers on? See what he makes of all this. <laughs> You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. We are delighted to be joined by John de Villiers all the way from South Africa. And John, I'm going to jump right in here. I put on my lazy journalist hat about an hour ago and I did some research, uh, basically, which that involves me sending a text message to our monster uh, isolation quiz group to ask for uh, some feedback on what they, you meant to them from your time in Munster. And I got the following responses. Paul Bald, your number one masseur on the planet, I presume, said yeah. you were the only player to get a crowd waiting outside his house looking for autographs, which involve players and all. Uh, someone has said you're just the most beautiful couple great fun and just really down to earth and so lovely um and then someone else said they fitted in so well they were so lovely and just a great addition to the monster family um he was a great pro as well and great fella to have around the squad but my favorite one was uh Niall Ronan's wife Jamie uh she chirped in to say and this is her draw to accent now that I'm going to try and do um do you remember the time when we were uh having a few drinks there in the morning and uh John went to, to go to the shop to buy a few beers. And when he came back, he went into the neighbor's house by accident and, <laughs> and sat on the neighbor's couch and turned on their telly and started watching telly having a beer. And they were in the kitchen having breakfast. Uh, and it wasn't until they heard the TV playing that they came in and spotted you sitting there with your little hat, having a beer. Is this true? <laughs> I don't know, Bez. I don't know where you got your information from. Uh, you know, uh, Nal Ronan is not a very. Um, I don't. I don't take anything that he says serious anyway. Um, it was his. So, wife. It was his wife. It was his wife. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't want to say that about her as well. But uh, <laughs> let's just blame Nal for that. <laughs> no, look. Uh, I look back at my time at uh, at Munster with with fond memories. Um, made some un- unbelievable friends and uh yeah i've only got i've only got good memories always good to go back and and great to be speaking to you guys uh, and Matfield, Matfield would have been a good source to have got a bit of abuse because we got some Matfield abuse from you so yeah. <laughs> that was probably mm. an untapped resource we should have should have picked him up on some of that you were um you were torturing victor Matfield last week yeah, yeah we got that- some great got some great ones from you thank you for that yeah, it was good. It was good. I, I watched the show, so it went down well. And he, he didn't have too much to say as a comeback. So I'm glad no. you didn't phone him up to get some dirt on me. But there's enough lying around in Limerick. Exactly. I asked Paulie. Paulie came back with a wonderful response. Um, he gave me basically the running match play for the Perpignan away match, which was, was that the last group game that you played in the Heineken Cup that year? Um, which he liked to point out that was probably the only match you were ever dropped for in your entire career. Yeah. Uh, but you came off on the Friday night, actually, you said that you sat in a cafe in Perpignan and handed out scarves and badges and flags to all the Perpignan uh, supporters. Uh, and then you came off the bench the next day and scored the third of uh, a four-try bonus point win. Um which he also said you did with a right foot step and a left hand fend, which only Paul O'Connell would know that Paulie. detail off the top of his head. Don't get bogged exactly. down in the detail. <laughs> he, probably, he probably managed to say what minute of the game it was as well. So, yeah, but it was, it was a special game, that one. I certainly do remember it fondly as well. Uh, bonus point went away to Paul Pignon, so pretty special. 
Did you say something about Golov coming into the change room at halftime? Can you remember that? Uh, I can remember, I can pretty much remember most of it, but um, I, I can't remember the, the exact sort of message that was given. But I mean, again, just... I think, just he, had, I think he had a few glasses of wine in him, which he's hard enough to understand as it is. It's very unlike him to have a, 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 a glass of wine, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but just, the, again, the, the, the sort of monster uh way coming through there and just the the passion of, of getting a bonus point win over there so it, it was pretty special it's a it's an amazing club monster so i i love the place yeah we were i remember when you came here it was uh it was proper superstardom when you when you arrived and you kept pretty low profile for the first six months you were you were very uh determined to just get in the team keep your head down um, not really get out that much. It wasn't until the last week where you properly laid Probably your cards on the table. Helicopters to training. <laughs> yeah. Well, just he partied like partied like it was nineteen ninety nine. Basically, I remember his last his last day. We were down in Dingle, and I was holding onto his leg, crying, asking him not to leave because I was like, "Oh, you're too much crack." It's basically when I started spending more time with you, Bez. What that's when everything sort of turned uh, went the wrong way, started going south. But um, yeah, you know, look, looking. <laughs> Looking back, uh, you know, I wish I could have spent more time there, to be honest. Uh, I, I really do. I, I love the Irish people. I, I love the culture. And, 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 and I honestly think that Munster, you know, it, it's such a special club and to, to have been able to, you know, spend some time there and, and meet amazing people. You know, I think that's, a, that's an extreme privilege and one that I, that I enjoyed so much. And, and again, to be able to, to make friendships that that, that that still last now you know bears you, you guys coming over and you know spending spending an evening here at miles in cape town and that you can look back and uh and just build on that memories i think that's the special thing about about rugby as a whole but but certainly the the monster way of doing it is is, is pretty unique as well you might have a few visitors uh next summer as well <laughs> keep coming, mm-hmm. keep coming, keep coming. If everything goes to plan, I mean, obviously Barry's got a bet at your house, but would you mind? Would you mind if I? Would you mind if an yeah. Ulster player joins in? Is, is it exclusively Monster? I've got a small little little wooden house on the outside, just outside my property. You're welcome to stay there. <laughs> no, any, anyone's, I remember. Anyone's, anyone's welcome. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's fine. I remember. Trimby, before uh, I met him, uh, John and I, John and I met up and after my honeymoon. We went there myself and Orla. But before that, I was coming back from a six-week tour in Australia with the band, and we stopped in Cape Town for about four nights. And we had a gig in Stellenbosch, and we were the filthiest-looking, uh, uh, decrepit young fellas getting into this five-star hotel in Cape Town, the highest. I think it was the highest we stayed in, and it was like. Uh, uh, Home Alone lost in New York when they're trying to get the kid out of the hotel. Do you remember that? All the staff were trying to just go around and manage us for the first few days because we were like just running a muck. And then I think one day we were down shark diving and we came back and the staff were immediately treating us a little bit differently. And I went up to get one of, you know, because we obviously lost our keys about 40 times. I went up to get my key and they were like, um, Mr. Murphy, there was a, a Mr. De Villiers that came here to see you. And I was like, Ah, yeah. See, I'm Mr. Murphy now, am I? (laughs) (laughs) 
You'll answer my calls though at six o'clock in the morning when I'm ringing for my room service. Uh, so they they were treating you like royalty over there, man. Which we didn't we didn't get when you were in Limerick because uh, you you were you had a different approach. It wasn't that. Uh, but you know how much you know how much I had to pay the hotel staff <laughs> to make as if I'm a big deal in Cape Town. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to use your name for the rest of the week. Then uh, you're yeah, um, work. Sean. Work. I'm concerned you're maybe not. So you're maybe not as big a deal in Limerick, but you're definitely not as big a deal in uh, Monaco. And the reason why I think that is the last time I saw you was at the at the wars. Actually, same time whenever I saw Victor. And uh, we were having a chat and my, my wife was there and she loves, she loves the royals and she loves Princess Charlene of, of Monaco. Princess Charlene was sitting like with her entourage around her the whole night and she, she went to go out to leave. And uh, Anna thought, here's a great opportunity. So she came over to you and I'm sure for a second you thought that she wanted a picture with you. <laughs> But she handed the camera to you to get a picture with Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I love Sean a bit. That's, he's a big deal in Cape Town, right? <laughs> I'm a hell of a photographer as well. So hopefully the picture came out well. It did, to be fair. Actually, she said, um, send by the picture. He's a very good photographer. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Multi-talented. Yeah. Oh, look. Um, all right. Well, look, before we move on from your monster days, John, I want to I wanna do a little quiz with you, right? Um, I want to send you pictures of monster monsters, right? So we've, we've mashed, actually Ian Dowling's wife, Gillian, mashed together some faces of monster fans. So we're going to put these up on the screen for, uh, for everyone watching and listening back home. But I'm going to text them to you here. Some monster players, sorry. So you have to guess who the two players are that have been mashed together. Okay, so here's, here comes the first one. Okay, wait, I need to switch my phone back on. Ah. Oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'll send him to Trimby as well, just in case he... Probably, probably a, a, good... bit of, a bit of Wally. Yes. David Wallace and, and Dolls. No. Oh, uh, Keith. Yeah. Keith, well done. Well hey, done. Jeez, you did very well. Okay, here's another one. God help whoever gets these... Uh... <laughs> Whoever has a child that looks like these. Mal <laughs> Ronan. Can never, you can never miss those teeth. Yeah. And Raj? Raj, well done. Uh, this is my favorite one by a mile. <laughs> Don Hurst. Don Hurst, yeah. <laughs> Who's the other one? It's... Uh, um... He, hairy back, very big, very very large back, um, bald head, hairy. Oh, haze. hairy, ha every hairy, yeah, but not on his. Yeah, haze. It's haze. Yeah. Hey, it's oh, Trimby God. Trimby got it without oh. seeing it, just by description. <laughs> but but again, haze with hair. You know, I've never seen that before, so it totally threw me off. Is he much okay. more handsome with hair? <laughs> yeah, way, way more. He's he kind of looks like um, he looks like man bear pig from South from uh, South Park. To be honest with you, which is uh, if you don't know, is pretty hideous. Okay, uh, there's one more. You have to get this one if you don't. Uh, it's myself and Dennis. Well done, uh, Fogarty. Okay, last one. 
Strings and Paul Warwick. Strings and Paul Warwick. Well done. Look at the teeth on strings, man. Beautiful. That's so Beautiful. It's weird. Yeah. When, he when's, got... he, when's he turning 30? <laughs> 30 <laughs> or 50. <laughs> He's got some work done. Yeah. Well done. Okay. They'd be delighted to know you didn't forget them too quickly. Um, but come here. What, what is uh, lockdown like for you in South Africa? Yeah, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been pretty hectic. Um, look, I, I travel quite a bit um, after retiring from rugby. I average about 150 flights a year, which is, which is pretty hectic. Um, and, and the last six, seven weeks, um, just been at home. My, my, my kids, haven't, they haven't left the house for seven weeks. So, uh, so it's been good just to, to spend some time here and, and you sort of get on with work as well. So, uh, look, it's, it's something that has changed the way we, uh, we live. And I suppose post-corona, life will be different as well. But for now, I think we're enjoying it. And, you know, good for me to spend some time with the wife and the kids. Yeah. What's work, Sean? Um, how come you're on the road so much? Yeah, look, uh, I, I do some work for Supersport, which is our broadcaster here in in South Africa and then involved with, um, with a corporate company that I've got um, full-time employment with as well. And then sort of setting up two, two startups as well. So I've, I've wow. been, I've been pretty busy um, doing a hell of a lot of stuff and with a, with a super sport work, most of that is up in Johannesburg. So that's a two, two hour flight um, from Cape Town. And, you know, I, I do that almost, you know, two, two times a week. Um, so up and down same day, um, to Johannesburg and uh, and you know so so with Supersport in South Africa and also international and then with the other work stuff you know there's quite a quite a bit of traveling and come here over here we've uh, we've made some some progress in the last few days where they've started talking about phasing us into you know getting back to normality so by August things will probably be back uh, to as close to normal as possible potentially looking at games behind closed doors from mid-August. Have they made any kind of uh, statements like that in South Africa with regards to even pubs, restaurants, or, or, or sport for that matter? Yeah, no, no clarity yet, eh, Bez. So um, we, we were in level five, sort of our level five lockdown up until Friday. So we've moved to, to level four, but um, the only thing that has changed is basically more uh, people being economically active, some businesses opening up. Um, but from, from our point of view, it's exactly the same. No live sports yet uh, or no sporting activities or big gatherings yet. So, so it's, a, it's, it's a pretty great picture at the moment. I'm not sure if we'll have live sports in South Africa for the rest of the year, really. Um, and if there is any, it certainly won't be in front of crowds. So um, they're starting to make some plans for a localized competition potentially, but, but I suppose the the earliest we can look at doing that is probably August as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's wait and see at this stage, to be honest. Mm. And uh, have you got any lockdown habits going on? Any TV shows that you're digging into? Uh, we're we're kind of spending our weeks here reviewing, poorly reviewing movies and uh, TV shows because we've no rugby to talk about. So uh, have you any recommendations? None. So, so my only habit has been to grow some facial hair, which looks terrible. Um, ah, that's great. Thank, Who cut the hair? Like the, my wife did. <laughs> Good that, job, Barry. Yeah. yeah. That happened yesterday after two bottles of wine. So, I, 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 <laughs> go for it. I, I won't. I won't turn around. Um, but, uh, 
but with, the, with the kids and bears, I mean, you you sort of experienced them over here. Um, we yeah. don't watch too much TV, to be honest. So no real time to um, to get stuck into any series or anything like that. And if there is any TV to be watched, it's usually um, animation. You know. Mm. And what about the kids? Are they are they into sport? Uh, have you got them training? Are they putting you through the paces? What's the crack there? I must say that's been the best thing about the lockdown is I've been able to train every single day since we've been in lockdown just yet at home. Um, and, and that's been fantastic. Uh, the kids, you know, they, so the two girls are doing gymnastics and ballet, you know, zoom classes that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think people are just adapting. Um, you know, the little one, the boy, he, he's not too keen on any, on anything really. So he's just trying to irritate as many, many of us <laughs> as possible during the day. Okay. Um, I was texting you the other day about whether you'd watch the last dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary. And, uh, you haven't, I know, but we've been, I've been watching it and it's opened my eyes up a lot to, uh, I suppose athletes at that level. Um, I'm also reading a book about Tiger Woods at the moment, the two of them being two of the most, um, prolific and best athletes of all time. Um, it's kind of opened my eyes to how they're, they spent their childhood um, I also saw Paul O'Connell and Justin O'Connell talking about how they would have spent their childhood on Monster Rugby website the other day and, and uh, out the back garden and, and beating the hell out of each other, etc. Um, I know you, you grew up where, where you're living right now. Um, is, is that something that rings a bell with you when you were a kid? What way would you have um, spent your days as a kid playing rugby? Was it, was it that kind of attitude, like get out and play as many sports and, and beat the crap out of each other? Or what was it like? Oh, 100%. You know, I started playing rugby when I was five years old. I sort of got dragged to the rugby field with, with my brother that's a year older than me. And he was playing with, uh, with kids a year older than him. So I was sort of pulled into playing with kids two years older than myself at that stage. Um, and, um, and sort of just loved, loved it from the first, from the first day, you know, um, loved rugby, tried to play as many sports as possible. And, and literally for my, you know, for holidays, I would jump on my bike, drive to the um, um, sports field just sort of down the road, and I would spend the whole day there. You know, take my take my rugby ball, tennis racket, cricket bat. Uh, um, you know, my my mom would give us like a, you know, a quid or whatever, and that would buy us lunch. Uh, and I'd spend the whole day there, and that that's what I would do. You know, and, and I loved it. So, I suppose that's where the the passion for sport really grew. Um, and, you know, till this day, probably it, it hasn't stopped yet. Was Schalkberger involved back that long? I know you, you, you grew up in the same, same town, right? Would he, would he be around in those days? Yeah, look, so, so they, they sort of the neighboring town. So we went to the same school. Uh, so, you know, the younger, the younger days, we knew each other because our families uh, have been friends for a long time. Um, but uh, the, the two of us actually met on the, well, started playing together on the cricket field. You know, uh, no cricket's not that big in, in Ireland, obviously, but you do play as well. Um, mm. And so we played cricket together, and from there it sort of evolved into into playing rugby together as well. So, um, yeah, it's great to have those journeys, isn't it, with people like. Um... I don't know, you get real emotional when you, for me anyway, when I, when you come up through the ranks with someone and you get to play and you, you kind of only notice when you're maybe on the field with them or in a, a lineup before a game, they're like, geez, I've been playing with that guy for 10, 12 years and, and look where we are now. Um, and like you, you were kind of brought into the South Africa team quite young then, like straight out of a, out of a, a 21s World Cup that you won. And um, 
it was wing you played first, right? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, well, I, I, I played, I actually, I played two games on the wing uh, in that uh, under 21 World Cup in the semi-final and the final. So my first ever game, I played wing in my life. Opposing <laughs> number, we played the All Blacks in the semi-final. Who's my opposing number? Joe Rokokoko. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we won the game, but I got absolutely smashed. Uh, <laughs> and, and luckily won that. But, um, but you know, you say it, you know, you, you, you grow up with people and you go through the ranks and then eventually you, you play a lot of rugby with them. But it's, it's the same even just in, in professional teams, right? If you, if you spend time with people off the field, you know, whether it's having, you know, having a pint or, or, or whatever it might be, you know, you start getting to know people. You, you get to know what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them laugh. And, and then suddenly when you, when you take that onto the field, it's got a totally different meaning playing with someone and for someone, you know? So um, I think that's the beauty about rugby is that you can really, you know, it, you really are playing for someone and you can physically put your body on the line for someone. Uh, and once you get that kind of synergy within a team, it's pretty special. So when you grow up with someone and, and you get to play international rugby, it, it's cool. But um, I think that's sort of that you, you sort of take that throughout your career and try try build those relationships. Especially whenever you finish, Sean, have you um, have you found that um, obviously doing a bit of work with super sport and staying in the game a bit and st- keeping those connections, obviously keeping in touch with Barry and a few of the monster guys. But whenever you whenever I finished, I find that the relationships are even closer almost. Yeah. a little bit more nostalgia because you've been through a little bit more together and it's all finished and you can kind of get together and, and talk about memories have you found that since you finished yeah definitely you know and, and it's so true and, and i think it's sort of a, a balance of the two it, it, it's understanding the the opportunities um that was provided to you whilst you were playing rugby but also that that rugby is not the the end all and be all uh you know and that it, it provided that opportunity to make friendships and and now it's being able to to move past that and you can take rugby away, but the friendship still stays strong um, and maybe even stronger once you've, once you've been to battle together, um, you know, and now post rugby, it, it might, it might even be stronger. So uh, I think that's in a way something that's been lost in the, in the professional era where in the amateur days, I think the, the opposing teams used to socialize together a lot more mm. where it doesn't really happen anymore. So you can't get that close to the opposition um, once you go play in a different country for a different club, like you know, like for me at Munster, then suddenly you, you you're provided with that opportunity. So that's why I would always encourage someone to to sort of be taken out of their comfort zone, experience something different, meet new people, meet a different style of of thinking about the game, and um, and build relationships that you know you can use post uh, post your career. Yeah, it was um, it was eye opening for me, being honest with you, man, when you came over because. You'd uh, you'd achieved a huge amount in South Africa. You'd captained the country for for a few years. You'd you know won so much in in club rugby and you know won a World Cup and and uh, you know you came with so much weight behind you. But then you immediately gave the impression that you were there to to kind of row in and to uh, to learn and to just be a part of something. Um, and it. it even seeing these TV shows like like the the Michael Jordan one and reading about Tiger Woods is a ruthlessness about certain athletes and certain um, you know styles of maybe guys that have made it to the top that doesn't make them very likable. But uh, I think rugby has the opposite, doesn't it? It has people that really want to 
make it something more than just winning. Um, and even watching Rassi Erasmus's videos that he's putting out on on Twitter at the moment, uh, you know, the underlying statement from him is that don't be a dickhead. It's not about the type of player or the uh, the best. It's about finding the best person as opposed to, you know, the quality. And I know you've worked with him and he, he didn't he captain you with the, uh, with the Stormers, wasn't it? He made you captain. So I presume you've got a pretty close relationship with, with Rassi. I love yes. that. There's, there's all these uh, pretentious leadership autobiographies and, and life lessons and how to be a leader <laughs> and his just overriding messages. Don't be a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's so gold. Simple. Yeah. So it to is, the point. Yeah. And, and obviously he, he knows the game of rugby, you know, by, by making me captain of the Stormers. So, um, it, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you try to keep, keep a fucking a tight leash on you, make him captain so we'll keep him in, in line. <laughs> no, no, look, I think, I think Rosie, what he's done with the, with the Springboks in a, in a very short period of time has been incredible. Um, but I will also say, I think even when he came to the Stormers, um, you know, he, he transformed us, and made us more competitive as well. Um, and, and I think learned a lot through that period. But then also the experience at Munster. I honestly do think that he, that he grew as a coach over there, um, him and his, and his uh, coaching group, and, and came back with so much experience of, of, what, he, of what he learned uh, you know, with his time at Munster and, and applied that with the Springboks. So again, being taken out of your comfort zone, um, being in a, in a totally different environment and, and having able to uh, or being able to adapt from that. So he's been, you know, uh, the way he thinks about the game is incredible, but I think he's, the way, the way he treats the players, the way he treats his management also, I, th- I think that's where he's really taken off and, 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 and you know, credit to him for what, for what they did in the, in the World Cup. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, the way the players talk about him here and the way, especially Fla and Felix, they, like, he is their, you know, their God, really, from when it, from a coaching perspective. Um, they learn so much from him and he's a hard man as well. It's not, um, it's not all smoke screens or anything like that. It's like, he's, he, what you see is what you get. He's a tough guy, but he works very hard and thinks deeply about the game. Um, and I think, you know, when you think about South African rugby, it has so much of that in it that the the passion you saw last year when 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 they arrived home and they won that that united the whole country. And I don't think anyone else, any other country, can has that connection with the sport um, that really unifies you. Um, you know, we saw what what happened between Nelson Mandela uh, and PNR back in in ninety seven and. Uh, you know, for you becoming captain of the country, did that? Did you feel that extra weight with that kind of, um, you know, knowing those things that that came with the with the jersey and with being captain? Yeah, but definitely, Abez. And I think I think again with just coming back to Rezi for for a second is that you you need to when you're a coach and when you're a player, you need to understand where you fit in and what your role is. And 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 I think. You know that's difficult for for people uh, a lot of the time. Where you might be, you might be the the big thing. You know, I experienced it. You know, I might have been the the big player at the Stormers in Western Province, then then going to Munster and, and being, you know, just another player and sort of needing needing to to um, to I suppose gain the trust that I that I had um, here at the Stormers, and that takes time. Um, you, you need to show that you that you that you earn it and that you are good enough. And 
and I think that never changes for anyone. You, you need to keep pushing those boundaries. But in South Africa, as you've mentioned, you know, the, the game of rugby um, stands for so much more than, than just a game. You know, it, it means so much more because of what it's done in the past and, and because of the past of South Africa and the intricacy, in, 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 intricacies. We can add it. Um, of, of South Africa, you know, so, so when, when we won it last year, um, you know, Sia Khaleesi and, and his life story is an amazing one. Um, and, and to come back to South Africa and, you know, with the World Cup after winning, after, you know, not really having the best odds of winning it um, and seeing what it did to the country, you know, that is spectacular. So when you become a springbok, you take that responsibility with you. When you become the captain, you know, the responsibility is so much more because you are the voice of the team um, most of the time and, and the image of, of the team. So, so yes, you, you feel that responsibility, but it's, again, it's, a, it's an unbelievable privilege and people will take over from you. People will be better than you. And it's just being able to, um, to make it good for that period that you, are, that you are entitled with it. What was your approach as a captain then? What was your... Um... You know, because I've seen you as a as a player come in, and it was very relaxed, and uh, you know, as I said, just wanting to be a, a cog in the in the team, um, leading, but kind of side by side as opposed to um, big speeches or, or or anything like that. Was that a similar approach you had as a captain of the Springboks? Yeah, look, you you need to have a bit more of a voice when you're captain, um, and, and I suppose I've, I mostly have quite a relaxed. Um, um, demeanor if you want to call it that but I suppose in any environment that you want to be successful in you need to be able to make the hard calls and say the hard things as well um, and if you don't do that then you just won't be successful or or at least be at a level where you can can have long-term success over, over a long period of time uh, or sustainable success over a long period of time and um, and I think that's the most difficult thing is being able to tell your mate that look you've you've cocked up, you know, or, or that you, you're not good enough anymore or anything like that. And, and that is difficult because it comes back to you as well and you need to be able to take it as well. So once you build relationships and you can have open, open conversations like that, I think that's when you, when you really build a strong team. Um, and I try to do it, you know, sometimes you got it right, sometimes you got it wrong. Um, and, I, and I suppose the most important thing for any captain, you need, you need guys to back you up. Um, you know, if you don't have a, a strong group that that will follow you and that will go into the battle with you, then you've got no chance of of getting success. Mm. Uh, did either you boys come up against each other much over the years? Yeah. Any memories? I remember two thousand and six when mm. I think you scored against us. Andrew. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. It's yeah. Yeah. He, know, he knows one. well. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what happened in 2006? So, talk, talk us through it. So humble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I was six. Then, uh, we definitely played each, each other then. Obviously, I was in the midfield. Brian O'Banner actually played 13 that game. Did. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, you, were in the, right. the I remember vintage, that yeah. you were in the vintage jerseys, weren't you? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, And then the next time we played Ireland was in, in 09 when I was at Munster. But I, I came off the bench. Did, did you play that game? At no, I, I, was, I wasn't good in 09. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a game at, 
quite fast. And then 20, 2010, did you play 20? Were you any good 2010? No, I wasn't great then. <laughs> <laughs> I, peaked, I peaked early in 2006 and then kind of plateaued. Kind of, I, I just stayed on the radar for about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, you've got one up on me. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that was a weird one in 06, actually. That was, um, yeah, that was, uh, we, we, we went really well that day. Yeah. We hammered you surprisingly. And then, um, yeah, yeah it was I think a very, I get, very windy day as well. Yeah. The and old Lansdowne Road. That would have been yeah. one of the last, one of the last games at Lansdowne. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Cause then it was 2007 was Croke then after that for, for Six Nations. So, yeah. Nice way to finish off Lansdowne Road. Not not fast. <laughs> yeah, I come here. You've been doing some good scouting for Monster in your in the last uh, six months uh, with Orgy Snyman and Damien Delende coming our way. Good work. Yeah, two good players. That um, I think they'll be terrific for for Munster, uh when when we eventually get get playing again. Both of them, I think both of them are actually still stuck in Japan. So really, so, okay, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the season obviously was stopped mm-hmm. in Japan, the rugby season, but they couldn't get back to South Africa. So they, I don't know what shape they'll be in when they. Get <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's have fine. Seen, I think. Yeah. Have you seen? Have you seen clips of Snyman, um, just playing like he's a he's a dad playing mini rugby? <laughs> yeah, but look, he's got unbelievable skills. I mean, he's a. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the guys weren't that big when we were playing. <laughs> yeah, people are just getting bigger. So he's a yeah. this massive human being, but with unbelievable skills as well eh, for a lock forward. So, um, you know, and, and Damien, whom, whom I played a lot of rugby with at, at the Stormers, again, you know, I thought he had a fantastic World Cup. Um, mm. And yeah, two very good signings for Munster. Yeah, do yeah. you find that as well, Jean? Do you find watching rugby nowadays and you're like, how on earth did we, how on earth did we compete with any of the size of the fellas now? Uh, uh, Dilonda was unbelievable on that um, tour when we were in uh, South Africa 2016. I think yeah. he was maybe only coming through. It was um, Faf, De Klerk and him were the two guys kind of coming through at that stage. Yeah. He was incredible that game, especially at um, the second test in Johannesburg. Yeah. Yeah, when he scored that try, he scored the try sort of last minute, uh, one of the last ten minutes or so. Yeah, but but mm. but a really good, uh, a really good player, like I said. Um, so yeah, good good signings for for Munster mm. and good lads. Did right enough, did did they call you? Did they have a chat with you before they came over or before yeah, they decided? I, I actually spoke to them at the World Cup. Um, so so I went over for the first four weeks and and was sort of when they were busy with uh, with negotiations and. Um, and and Damon, he, he couldn't say too much, obviously, at that stage. And he just said, I'll, I'd be very happy with his, uh, you know, with, with his decision. And I, and I sort of, I just said, well, good on you then, you know, keep going. It's a, it's a great club and you'll, you'll love it there. So they're two, they, they're two really good guys. And uh, yeah, it'll be, from a, from a social point of view, they'll, they'll add value as well. Brilliant. I'll check them out. So I'll look after them. No, stay away, man. Stay away. <laughs> Look after them by staying away. Yeah, wait, for the, exactly. wait for the last week again. Yeah. Um, well, looking ahead to the Lions, what do you reckon? How are you shaping up for that? Uh, look, we're not going to speculate whether it's going to go ahead or not. We'll, fingers crossed we'll be there staying in your, in your outhouse. Um, but I presume, like, huge for, for South African rugby to defend the World Cup 
champions title, um, I suppose, against the Lions. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be opening up my whole house for all Irish people to come stay over. I might, just, I might just kick out the family for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, come here. <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you been living with uh, Shalk Fritz at the moment or something like that? What's going on there? No, no, that was that was before lockdown, actually. They were ah. just over here at my house and we were shooting some stuff. Yeah, so uh, very funny. Just, check yeah, check out John's John's uh, you're just you're gonna get your Instagram's gonna go through the roof after this, man. You're welcome. Uh check out John's <laughs> John's Instagram story for that. Oh, yeah, uh, our Instagrams haven't gone through the roof. <laughs> they, Never. they will. They will. <laughs> check out Trimby's Instagram as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, so the lines uh huge obviously you've played in a few uh if in one in a huge we reviewed it last week actually yeah. in the in the 2000 and what was that nine tests 2009 yeah 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 so so the amazing thing about the lion series the last three lion series to south africa well the last two and then this one is that um it's been every single time that we've won the world cup so mm. 90s we won in 95 97 the lions came over in 07, we won and we had the 09 series. And now we won last year in the Lions series next year. So mm. it's set up to be an, an incredible um, series. I can, you know, I, I look back at our series back in 09 and it was, it was probably, it was, it was actually just before I came to Manchester, but it was, it was the most incredible series that, I, that I've ever been involved with. You know, the, just the, the fans, the, you know the build up to it all it was and the games itself um it was it was huge so i i think it's going to be an incredible tour um <clears throat> the <clears throat> excuse me the sort of stadiums where it will be played um the tour that they've that they've sort of set out uh yeah it's um a lot of a lot of players in south africa actually make their decisions as to where um where they'll be playing their rugby based on the lions tour um you know, so so it's a highlight for so many of these players because it only happens once every twelve years for the South African boys. And uh, look, it's it, it's going to be huge in South Africa. So everybody, come to South Africa, come enjoy it. It definitely will go on, um, mm. and let's let's hope for a fantastic series. Oh, we're going, man! Don't worry, we're we're shark diving, we're doing safari. <laughs> uh, Bill Tong, oh, I love Bill Tong so much. Oh my god. Um, and the wine, obviously, the Stellenbosch, yes. which is not too far from where you are. Um, so I, I picked up loads of their wine on my honeymoon and then drank it all before I feckin' got to bring it home, unfortunately. Yeah, um, yeah so, we're, we're not, we're not, I think, I think uh, speaking on behalf of both of us, we're not that bothered if the, the tour doesn't go ahead. <laughs> still coming. Because we're, yeah. Um, yeah, we're still going. It's about shark diving and wine, wine tasting. I'll set it all up. I'll set it all up. Okay, well, before you go, give me one of your, give me your favorite game. Would you have a favorite match that you played in um, that I, because I, I'm watching nothing but TV, man. I'm all I'm doing. So give me something I can go and watch. Obviously, Munster Perpignan, second game. By this point, <laughs> <laughs> It's the only one you remember. Uh, yeah. No, look, um, <clears throat> so, um, my my hundred and first test was a special one for me because it was it was at at Newlands, um, and I was able to run out with my kids and all of that. So that uh, you know, the, and I scored two tries actually against Australia. Who's that against Australia? Nice. Australia, yeah. So that was a special one, not a not a great game. Um, the second Lions test in 09, 
huge Vicious. game. Yeah. Uh, and then the final game in Hamilton of Tri Nations that year. So South Africa versus New Zealand in Hamilton. We had to beat them uh, in in Hamilton to 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 win the Tri Nations, which which we did. So that was pretty cool. And I was hoping you'd say I was hoping you'd say an All Blacks game because that's the South yeah. Africa All, All Blacks games are always just so epic yeah. as well. Okay, yeah. I'll watch and, that one. And then 2008 South Africa versus England at Twickenham. 42-6, I think we won. That was... That was Hammered a pretty, them. Pretty special ha- game. Well. Happily watchy, hammer England as well. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, you can just watch the World Cup final as well. Okay. Geez, you've got a lot to get through, Barry. <laughs> I have a lot of time on my hands, lads. We're going to have to postpone next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you get watching the Michael Jordan documentary in the meantime. Um, but look... Uh, John, Gene, Jan, uh, we've kept you long enough, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, all the best in lockdown and hello from all your Munster family and hello to your family. Great guys. Thank you very much for having me. Hello to, to the Munster, to the Munster people and to all the Irish really. I love, I just love Ireland. So thanks for, thanks for making the time. Do you have an old has been on the show? Yeah. (laughs) Three old has been's. (laughs) yeah good man john good man cheers john see you later buddy cheers guys the covid19 pandemic has been hard for everyone and tragic for many we have suffered loss of loved ones and loss of contact with family and friends by working together our health services have been protected and lives have been saved the situation would be so much worse were it not for the huge effort made by everyone for all that you have done for your patience and sacrifice resilience and solidarity Thank you. As we move through this crisis, there are now six key things that you should know. 1. From Tuesday, May 5th, the 2km restriction is extended to 5km and also people cocooning may take limited outdoor exercise. 2. From the 18th of May, we expect to begin the reopening of our country on a carefully managed, phased basis. 3. We now have a phased roadmap for reopening businesses, retail, transport, education, sporting, social and cultural activities and a return to social activity over the coming months. 4. We also have a plan for easing restrictions on social visits to allow families and friends to meet each other. 5. We have a clear way for deciding when we can move from one phase of reopening to the next and the priority is always to minimise the number of people who will get the infection and the number of deaths as a result. And 6. The social distancing two-metre rule will remain in place, even as we reopen. The details of this phased reopening of our country are now available on gov.ie. Please stay the course. We're in this together. And please continue to save lives by staying apart. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Okay, welcome to the show, Ryan Baird. Uh, For anyone listening and not watching at home, you have a very, very, very decent uh, isolation lockdown setup, dartboard on the wall, and what looks like a snooker table uh, scoreboard. So uh, you're pretty sorted for pottering around the house playing games. Yeah, we ha- have quite a bit here. We have, yeah, as you said, snooker table, the dartboard, and then we've got a basketball hoop outside. So uh, enough to keep us busy uh, over over the time at the moment. We and were talking for uh, for a couple of TikToks, maybe. 
<laughs> no, I haven't got into that game yet. So maybe some other time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, the la, what's it called? Last Dance, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary. Have you seen it? Yeah, class. Yeah, so are you uh, are you out with the basketball ring? Just yeah, kind of yeah, that, that, yeah probably a couple of jump shots. A couple of jump shots is what uh, <laughs> trying to practice at the moment. But now I'm uh, pretty bad. Like my brothers, my brothers are pretty good at it. So I, I kind of left. Did them. you play? You didn't play basketball. No, no. Uh, it's one of the sports I didn't explain when I was younger. Um, no, I probably should have, could have played it, but uh, no, I never, never got the chance. So who's at lockdown with you? Uh, so I have two brothers and my parents. So yeah, my dad's working up here from home in the attic. And then, you know, I just finished my college exams there the other day. So it's, mm. uh, it's just a busy household at the moment, but we're managing quite well. So, mm. so yourself and your brothers, all sporty, competitive? Yeah. Go, yeah. Going at it all day? Yeah, very competitive. Um, yeah, both my brothers uh, are players more sports, or even as many sports as me. So we uh, we've a bit of chipping in the back garden. So there's a competition nearly every day. So it's uh, now it gets a bit heated sometimes, but uh, it, it's it's well worth it. Like nice. So you're a keen golfer. I saw you. Uh, you were up in Portrush for the for the yeah. Irish Open last year. Yeah, that was Michael uh, Rowney around. What was that like? Yeah, that was uh, that was cool. That was a great experience, actually. I uh, yeah, I was there for Rory when he was trying to make the cut on Friday. Mm. That was uh, that was some mountain too, wasn't it? Mm, and yeah. then uh, so I was there for Larry on Saturday, sitting in the stands when he was coming up eighteen. So that was uh, that was a cool cool place to be. And all chanting around uh, behind the Sky Sports uh, the Sky Sports tent after we were all we were all there chanting with my cousins. So it was uh, definitely a cool weekend. Have you come Class. across uh, Laurie at all? Has he been in with the Leinster lads at all, or? Um, no, he hasn't. He's actually I'm a member at the Castle Golf Club. He's a, kind of a, he's a patron member there, so I've seen him up there around the, the golf range a couple of few times. But uh, no, I've never actually met him. Uh, he's a nice lad. He did a Q and A yeah. for us um, on like back in the day <clears throat> before he started getting on the scene and doing well. Um, again, came across unbelievably well he's a rock star now so he mightn't be a sign now <laughs> i'd be interested to see if he's just as dead on well um, when he when he was in the golf range he uh, he hit some balls and hit them off and left them all on the range so he gave about 50 brand new balls to everyone who was on the range so he's, i'd say he's still a still a sound lad today like yeah, yeah yeah that day was um that day was emotional for rory wasn't it um like he did that interview afterwards and like, your heart went out to him that was his big moment but rush yeah, it seems to have driven him on now. Uh, the last mm. couple, what you know, he's got a good, good few wins. So, uh, but yeah, God, it must have been devastating losing in his in his home in his home country. So I don't know. And hopefully, he'll come back stronger now and win the Masters for us all. Hope so. Yeah. Are you so? Are you keen keen golfer since you were a kid? Um, is that something that that uh, was a golf and rugby for you always growing up? Yeah. So yeah, would have been would have been rugby. Okay, rugby guy. Rugby, guy, tennis, and and golf. Uh, yeah, so I, I would have played all, all kind of my dad and my and my mom would have chucked me into you know most sports when I was younger, uh, and then yeah, I, uh, golf was still you know today is probably my, you know, it's one of the only sports you can actually play outside of rugby, you know, because it's you know you can't really get mm. injured playing golf. Uh, well, seriously, so uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's something to, to take away, kind of take away the any distraction or something. Just get out in the course and play a couple of holes. So yeah, definitely, definitely something that I'm going to keep it going on. I did nearly get injured playing golf one time, actually, um, <laughs> before the World Cup in 2011. We were, we were uh, training at Carton House. Actually, it was in around time whenever we met Shane. 
and um i was when i was in a buggy with um carnes myself carnes sexton and tommy where i playing a four ball and carnes toppled our buggy <laughs> <laughs> over a, like went over a hill and sideways and like we were so lucky we popped out of it and then the buggy the he- like heavy buggy kind of just slotted either side of us like it was broken leg territory if things had gone Jeez. anyway that's that was Karen's got the blame for that one but we we lived to tell the tale wow <laughs> it's, a, it's, a t- it's a rough game that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> you drive a buggy like Karen's does it's a rough game yeah, I, I, I'm reading a book about Tiger Woods, and jeez, uh, he went he went downhill fairly fairly rapidly there, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Craig, did you, is that the book uh, that came out maybe like a year or two year ago? Yes. Yeah, I read that. So it's a it's a great oh. insight into him, isn't it? Oh man, he's a he's a devil. Um, but yeah, like what was the most eye opening for me was his father, like uh, Earl Woods. Trimby used to used to what sit him in the garage in his little uh, plate in his little high chair and yeah, chip yeah. balls into a bucket and I think his mother would give Tiger a spoonful of food if uh, Earl got the ball into the bucket to kind of try and program him <laughs> that this was a positive thing to do. Um, did I, isn't that right? Did I read that right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's mental, absolutely mental what he does. Would would you would you have had any uh, kind of experience with that growing up? Uh, no, no. Are they your um, parents? Your parents try and tie you down and and show you how to jump. <laughs> your your mother throwing your ball into your father in the line out, and you get a spoonful of food if that works. <laughs> no, but my dad. No, my dad would have been uh, would have been good at you know giving us out in the garden. But no, nothing nothing like Earl Woods. <laughs> Not extreme. What about uh, your brothers, was, um, Ryan? Was was that like um, he was uh, in the the Last Dance documentary? Was it Jordan or was it Scotty Pippen? One of them um, talked about the influence their their brother had on them. Jo- it was Jordan. Jordan, yeah. Jordan, yeah. Jordan, yeah. Was it his... like how competitive that is? I never had that. I had two older sisters, and they both kicked the crap out of me. <laughs> 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 to my shame. Uh, um, they were a good bit older, like and, and girls mature at an earlier age than boys. So yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> so, but like, were you it all competitive? Makes with, it all makes sense. Though, <laughs> were you competitive with your brothers, Ryan? Yeah, uh, we would have been. We would have been very competitive. Uh, like every summer, we would have gone away to Spain, down the south, and uh, my dad would. We'd make like a, a tournament or a trophy or something, and we'd call it. We'd call it the Baird Cup, and. Uh, the Geller, we, like the Geller yeah, Cup and friends, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd play like tennis. We'd have te- over tennis, golf, um, and then uh, some other sports. I don't know, I can't remember exactly. And then we, we there'd be a winner each year, and it, it, it nearly ended in in tears between all of us every single time. That's uh, that's a competitive we got. So yeah, it, it's, it's it was a competitive household. It still is a competitive household, um, which right. is good. I definitely uh, can thank my brothers for for some competitiveness that's in me are they older younger are you the the youngest or what i'm the oldest uh one oldest. is one's in sixth year uh, who's trying to study for his, his leaving cert at the moment oh, and gosh. then the other one's in transition year so he's not really doing much at the moment to be honest happy days um and then growing up like what was uh would you have had heroes that you, that you would have looked up to in in the rugby world or the sporting world um as a teenager or who was your your kind of mentor let's say yeah well in, in in rugby it kind of you know it was always it was like it was brian driscoll and, and paul o'connell were the two kind of the two big big 
you know big icons back when I was when I was young growing up. So you've always would you would have followed them. And then in some other sports, more like tennis or something, um, Rafael Nadal was a huge. I you know, I, I lo- loved him when I was younger. Still do today. And I thought he was just such a competitor. Um, and then Tiger Woods as well. Once I got slightly older, um, just appreciating what he what he does in the game compared to you know he's at 80 81 victories like there's no you know it's it's unheard of you know so just to see how he won so consistently was just such a such a cool thing to to, to see and then reading his books and the documentary that just came out there like it's, it's just it's incredible yeah i know it's very inspiring watching all these um when you get the, i mean the, especially the chicago bulls one they've been sitting on that for 20 years like yeah. or more um so to get that now like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally um yeah so um I, i'm getting inspired by it um it's a yeah, bit too late for me a bit too late for me to get uh inspired by stuff like that um but as a young athlete um how do you have you kind of developed your mental side of the game or your preparation side of the game um from watching these these guys over the years yeah um it was kind of I'd say it was really, to be honest, only about last last September, just you know, before I was getting into the under six nations under twenties um cycle, I was like, you know, I'm doing everything physically I can to to get myself in best shape, but I'm not really doing anything anything mentally. So then I I got in touch with uh a sports uh, performance coach uh, who is I'm working with at the moment. Uh and uh we I started working with him and that was really helpful. It kind of just Help me understand how to, you know, how I'm thinking the game, and I, I found that really helpful, and it really kind of let me just focus in on the game and stay in the moment because I, I had a tendency to just completely be thinking about something completely different during the game, and that, and that kind of, you know, cost me a couple of times. So when I ha- when I when I got with him and when I just, you know, staying in the moment and just focusing on what, what I was doing, that was really helpful. And then, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant talks load about he was uh, med- he meditated loads. So and then in Leinster, that's a that's a big thing. Mindfulness that we started, and when I when I came into the the academy there, up into UCD, that's a big thing we we did. Dan Davy kind of pushed, and I kind of kept doing it. So it's those two things I've been really helpful, and definitely been a stepping stone for me so far. Man, that's great, man. I'm, I'm delighted to hear stuff like that. Um, is kind of coming in at that level as well. Um, so it certainly wasn't there when I was uh, when I was playing. 10 years ago, there's bits and pieces of it, especially sports psychology, but certainly not meditation. Um, is, is there that still something a bit, you're t- Ryan, is there still a bit of mindfulness with the, with the, in the national team as well? Cause I know, um, Jason Kyman would have done a little bit. Yeah. Um, the week, the week I was there, um, I, we, there wasn't, there wasn't any of that, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, he's Jay, Jay was, he's a great, so I'd say he might, I'm sure he did do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And are you using that now when you're at home? Do you still keep up the practice? Do you feel like that's something that's getting you through this as well? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I got the, the Headspace app, um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm using that. And there's actually a couple. The, the NBA did a, a collaboration with them, so there's a couple, couple ones on there that I kind of listen to sometimes the night before I go to bed. Just you know, it's kind of get me, get me, get me good sleep, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'd, I'd be the same. Um, and then training wise, you've got gym at home or something you brought home some of the gear from the from leinster and they're keeping a, an eye on you they yeah yeah um we so i went off to and got uh some weight some weights uh got a couple of bits and bobs from from leinster yeah and they're sending out programs for us to our gym and our on our running so 
you know, just keeping us ticking over and, you know, it's a good, it's a good development block, you know, while, while we're, while we're doing nothing at home, I guess. Yeah. Keep the recovery going. Is there any talks about when you may, may get back together as a team? Um, I know obviously with the announcement the other day, it looked like maybe, maybe June, you might get back together and do a little yeah. bit. It's, 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 it's all up in the air. We're just waiting, you know, we, we're on the same as everyone else. We're just getting a text message and if it's a good text message, it's a good one. If it's a bad one, it's a bad one, you know, we're mm. just playing it day by day, I guess. Yeah, you training hard, uh, uh, Ryan. Is it? Is it? Um, like I know the Ulster guys were doing Broncos, like doing a fitness test on, on f- uh, most Fridays. Anyway, like they're they seem to be training hard, as if like they're going to be playing soon. Which is probably, I don't know. Obviously, the more news that comes out, the more they find out, the more uncertainty there is. Kind of the more you're thinking it might be further on down the line. So, um, are, are you guys training hard? Are you doing that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So. We've got like, well, I'm doing about maybe five, six gyms a week. And then they've got three, we've got three runs to do. Well, we're on on a bit of a break now for the next two weeks. But we've got, yeah, we did Broncos there on on, fr- on Friday. It was four doubles and Jesus, I was, oh, <laughs> it was, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Man. And what? GPS, you got your GPS units in so no one, no one can bluff. <laughs> No, no, no one can bluff GPS. No, but mine hasn't worked a couple of times actually, coincidentally. Right, yes. But uh, <laughs> did you know? Did you know at the start that it didn't work? I don't know actually. <laughs> no, I did. I didn't. I did. <laughs> and come here. Uh, what about you know? What side of your game do you think you you know? Would you see this as an opportunity to maybe hone in on certain sides? Would you be kind of a guy that has to bulk up? Would you? Um, is it fitness? Is it strength? Is it skills? Um, are you at a stage where you, you feel like you, you can hone in on something now? Yeah, yeah, and uh, no, definitely. I so I'm, I naturally would have been would have been quite fit, but um, I I kind of felt throughout the whole season I just I kind of wanted a little bit more bulk. So I've basically kind of uh, been trying to put on weight there the last. It's been nearly nine weeks. So I've tried, I've kind of been gymming gymming really hard and eating loads, trying to put on weight. It's like it's, it's working at the moment, so it's. Uh, it's going well and then i'm doing i've got my brothers um throwing balls in the backyard and i've got a couple you know just doing a bit of skills there so that it's kind of skills and putting on weight are the two keys at the moment which is it's it's a good opportunity to do it like you know mm. uh, it's what hard sort of it's... Do you put on then Ryan? sorry what sort of weight do you put on um i've put on about three or four kilos now in about nine weeks so it's uh it's going well at the moment so uh good man yeah trying to trying to make it a whole muscle but i'm sure there's a bit of fat in there as well <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, oh, I I had long enough trying to do that. Um, it but it's a it's a weird time for everyone, like to, you know, different players, different parts of their career. Um, so you know the break. Like I was watching Dan Levy today play for Ireland against Australia in the second test in 2018. He was unbelievable, and you're just like, geez, I cannot wait to see him back. And you know the the fact that the game isn't moving on too much over the next six months, we might see him get back on the field for uh, you know and not miss a huge amount. So probably a positive for him. Uh, for you, like you were having some, you know, you had an unbelievable breakthrough into the Leinster side this season, and you were really, you know, your tail was in the air and you were flying. Uh, is it frustrating for you now, um, or you kind of go, look, that was you know great start, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it, it was it was tough when it ended, but you know, once a perspective, you know, once you could put everything into perspective, you know, when, when actually what everything's going on in the world and everyone on the on the front line doing work, you kind of just don't you kind of 
you're taking rugby for granted then when you when you're thinking about that. So you kind of put that in the back burner at the moment, and I, I haven't really really thought about it. You know, like I'm I'm twenty I'm twenty years old. When when rugby comes back, it, it'll come back. But you know, it's not really the it's, it's not really the folks at the moment. I'm just kind of happy we're all safe at here and people are doing you know great things out there to keep us that way. Yeah, she's Chimbery almost twice his age, man. <laughs> <laughs> make you feel times. old <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah any any you know big aspirations then i mean i can't believe you're only 20 years of age man by the way that's that's incredible um you know any big aspirations over the over the next couple of years uh yeah i i, I guess you know I, I i've always kind of believed that there's no harm in kind of aiming and setting really really high you know standards and you know high goals to set but um you know it's, you notice though at the, at this level it's really kind of step by step you know if you don't have your if you don't have your basics it's, it sounds quite boring but if you don't have your fundamentals in place and you and you're not good at all that stuff you're not really going to be able to progress so i have like you know i have goals that i'd like to hit and stuff but it really is about just focusing in on on the day by day stuff it does sound really boring but that really is is the truth uh, to be honest mm. do you find um uh, ryan whenever like well, I said, whenever you were breaking through, like like six months ago, or whenever you were playing, like, it might have been your first game. You came off the bench. Um, I think it was Bernard Jackman. There was a couple of um, uh, a couple of pundits were saying this guy, this guy's the next best thing. You know, guy, you were getting talked up quite a bit. You're still getting talked up quite a bit to the extent that I haven't heard anybody being talked about as much since Dan Levy. Since uh, I know Barry just brought Dan up. But do you feel like talking about your aspirations and your goals and what you want to achieve, are they shaped by that a little bit? Or do you feel do you feel a little bit of pressure from that? Because it, it, not to put more pressure on, it certainly doesn't seem like there's pressure with your hat trick against Glasgow and you just look like you're you're playing with a smile on your face. But like is there a little bit of do you feel a bit of pressure with that? Um I because I actually I don't read I don't read anything. Uh, I just I since since I came in, I was just like a you know, the CL I just i don't actually i didn't even i don't know anything i just i just play uh, <laughs> as simple as that you know i go out and try and join myself express myself play play for the lads and um, but i would i actually don't even read anything so uh, i just try to stay you know let that everything do itself you know what i mean good for you yeah. i think i'd say um because myself and barry like over the last few weeks we've been reviewing old games um i find myself thinking either if it was a game i was playing in or if you know, it was a game, if it was a Lions game, whatever. I just find myself thinking, just imagine, or just being being mindful <clears> of whenever I played, really, and just thinking, I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, twenty years of age, and you've already kind of, you know, you've nailed that, and you've got that, you know, as a as a as a vocal point to kind of build towards. Just there's so much professionalism, even even more so now than even two years ago whenever I finished, but. um it's nice to have that mindset a bit, you know, and, and don't lose that. I remember David Humphrey saying to me before my first game, uh, he said at some stage, and this is the old Lansdowne Road, like, <laughs> I think if you were born. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been there, I've been there. <laughs> David Humphreys, who was one of my, he was like the equivalent of O'Driscoll O'Connell for you. You know, I just loved David Humphreys as a kid. And he said, just take a moment. And just drink it in and just enjoy it hmm. and it's very very hard to be mindful of that you know in that competitive environment so it's nice to nice to hear you say that i think that's really important and it gets lost a bit 
Yeah, no, I've definitely tried to enjoy it. Like, I'm even just watching a couple NFL documentaries at the moment, and it's like two years is the average length of a career. Like, so, mm. and then you've got, you could be done at maybe like 25, 30, and you've got 60 odd years left in your life. So, I just, mm. yeah, really try to just enjoy enjoy it while it's here, you know what I mean? What about the, the likes of obviously James Ryan's, you know, you know, been killing it for the last couple of years? Um, but even like some of the more senior guys in your position, the likes of Scott Farley, Dev Toner, how much of an influence have they been on you coming through? Yeah, um, yeah, everyone, all, all the all the lads, senior lads in Leinster, um, even like Ross Maloney and, and Josh Murphy as well, have been real, really helpful for me. They just, you know, if I ever needed a question, bounce them off, or if they're going to, you know, call me out and train if I did something wrong or something. They've definitely been a huge. All of them have been a huge, uh, huge influence and just, you know, have given me good guidance, you know, and I can just bounce ideas off them. So it's 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 definitely a a great setup that I came into uh, last year. Definitely wouldn't have asked for anything better. To, you know. Yeah, Leinster are just there's there's something there's something going on there with with young fellas like you coming through and just um, yeah, obviously some of the more senior guys like 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 Carney, Johnny, um, Dev setting the tone, and then young fellas coming in and just seamlessly slotting into place. There's something special going on in Leinster. Uh, it would it would seem a shame not to just just ch- just chop the season, give it to them, and then we'll move on. <laughs> we just move on with their lives. I think. Yeah, yeah, sounds good for all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind giving it to Leinster, and but then the Liverpool fans are like, ah, I don't know if I want to give you that easier, <laughs> that easier league. Um, but yeah, look, that I think it's hard not to talk about St Michael's then, uh, and you know the 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 conveyor belt of players you have coming through there. Um, your two brothers involved in St Michael's uh, in rugby there now. At the moment, yeah, uh, Cameron. Cameron was uh, on the senior the senior panel this year, but he just just unluckily missed out on on the cup squad. And then my brother uh, Zach, who is in fourth year, he was he was uh, on the the junior cup. He was the captain of the junior cup winning team last year, and then he subbed this year. So yeah, no, it was it was a busy busy household. So it was definitely yeah. what I could I could stay connected with it, which is which is which was mm. nice. So there's more another group of them coming out of there in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, there's uh, the uh, it's definitely a good group of lads coming out in the next couple of years, especially you know, this year. There's a good few lads as well who'll be who'll be moving into into down to Donnybrook to the sub academy. So, yeah, it's still still got some depth coming through, which is nice to see. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, look, it's all positive for for Irish rugby, I think. Um, sure. And I think look a big a big shout out to Ferg McFadden who uh, yeah. announced his retirement today, um, which is shame for him to kind of go out in this way obviously he's been an unbelievable player for Ireland Leinster over the years but uh an even bigger character in the dressing room um what's what's he been like for you over the couple of years yeah um so I, I really would have got to know him there for the last what last kind of seven months um he was a, a top look um couldn't not a bad word to say about him he's you know just Great, brought great energy. Um, always finishes gym first and was always eating with us fours whenever we were gym first. <laughs> uh, he got his work done fast, but he, he did it well. Uh, and then he was he was an avid golfer as well, so we 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 stuffed a chat about it as well. So he was a he was a great lad, and you know, wish him well in his retirement, obviously. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, man, we'll leave you back to the darts and the snooker, um, and and shooting hoops. I believe that's what they call it. <laughs> I believe that's what um, the young fellas are calling it these days. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Are, if you were to give yourself uh, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, or Dennis Rodman, who are you going with? Jeez, I don't know. Um, it's 
Good question. I, know I, I hopefully can. You know, Dennis Rodman seemed like a bit of a, an enforcer on the pitch, uh, on on the court. So I'd go Dennis Rodman. You know, you brought a good Ooh. physical edge. Yeah. yeah, bleach the hair. Head to uh, Vegas. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've bleached my hair twice, and I was fucking. I didn't do a good job, but so. <laughs> yeah, take a little bit of each of them, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, Mama. Look, thanks a million for joining us, and the best of luck in lockdown. And hopefully, we'll see you on the on the pitch very soon and uh, doing some some more magic things for Leinster in Ireland. Perfect. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having Cheers, me on. Ryan. Cheers, Ryan. Cheers. Thanks, man. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Okay, welcome back to part four. Uh, over the weekend, we give you a classic homework to do. Each week, we'll be discussing a classic movie, album, and a rugby match. Let's get started with the second test between Ireland and Australia, June 2018. Trimby, you've made a massive cop-out this week, because, and I, and I totally get behind you, because you had just retired a month previous, and you could not have given two shits about Irish rugby. So watching, or rugby in general. So watching this today was probably your first time seeing this game. I watched these games, but I don't remember. We text Pat. <laughs> you didn't. You haven't a clue either. By the way, <laughs> we had to <the> no. text Pat <laughs> to ask which was the which was the best game to review because I don't remember anything about this tour. As you say, I finished. As you, I couldn't give a monkeys about rugby. Yeah, I finished it eleven years ago. I, I I wasn't, or ten years ago. I wasn't interested either. You, but you, you were out of rugby long enough to become a monster pothole. <laughs> True. <laughs> shouting, shouting from the stand, shouting all the In my day, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't like this. Um, okay, well, it, it was uh, it was a ridiculous game. It was uh, an unbelievable. Before Ireland got uh, found out, I think. Okay, so that sounds reckon? strong, right? That okay, well, that's 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 a very hot take. What did they get found out for so, for being because? Okay, go on. That's the they question. had they had loads of possession. They were throwing it about. They were winning a few collisions, yes, but they were they were playing nice, like nice rugby. But they were just getting they were playing the sort of rugby that they were allowed to play. And then it's like England watched that and watched the way how much Ireland got away with. And then England, <clears> the next <throat> chance they got, giant the following January, yeah, following January, then England just went right. We're ha- we've had enough of that. We're defending properly, and we're defending from the outside. And we're blindsiding mm. people, making raids, and we're smashing lads. Mm. And to be fair, Australia defended the way that way against Ireland, and Ireland defended that way against Australia as well. Just Australia towards the end, you see, they're like flinging balls everywhere, like panicky and dropping balls. It was really weird to see an Australian team so like with so little composure. Um, but they've been Ireland, like that for a long time, though, haven't they, Australia? Have they? I don't know. Um, Certainly, not... I think like I think you're right. And what what it, what it struck me is that certain teams will suit Ireland to play, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and certainly Australia, the way they weren't too clinical, or um, as you said, weren't aggressive with their line speed and, and coming out to in, or that it, they were an easier team for Ireland to play. <clears throat> Obviously, you still have individuals that were unbelievable, like Pocock and the and you know half that Australian team were just individual brilliant uh, players, but. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, so, I mean, what struck me is that they didn't, you know, there was no box kicking. There was no, um, they seemed, there was the uh, the good few Joe Schmidt uh, telltale kind of set moves that would take five or six phases to, to kind of implement. And a lot of them worked. Um, but what also struck me was like they were humming like, Ireland were absolutely individually and as a team yeah. full of, and that's 
that's it. Like, isn't it? after coming off the back of a, a Grand Slam, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, also, before that would have been uh, Twickenham, like. Yeah, exactly. Like, who do you think? What players? Man of the match. Pete was brilliant. Players stood out. Yeah. Um, again, uh, it was a shame to see Conway go because we've seen mm. what he's been capable of since. Um, go so early in the game. Um, oh, one thing struck me, right? Um, I've thought this a few times. Um, I can't, uh, we mentioned this with uh, the conversation with Jean. Or no, sorry, with Ryan. Um, whenever I look back, whenever I watch games that I was involved in or even I, I played in around the time, I wish, I wish I'd enjoyed the game more, right? And it looks like, you see, see whenever a lot, like Pete, for example, or, or Pocock, whoever, make a turnover, and they get blasted out and they get the penalty and they know everyone's looking at them, the camera's on them. And why why do we feel like we have to put on this poker face? Like we don't care. Like why do we not why are we not celebrate? Why do we not celebrate that? Why do we not even smile? Pete at one stage <clears throat> got smashed out. Incredible turnover. And he he got up. Like he looked he looked grumpy, grumpy enough. Mm. And he like touched his ear and he was checking like as if he was bleeding or something. That is the least of your worries. You've just got a turnover. Everybody's looking at you. You're your team's hero for the next like 10 seconds. Everybody's like, what a legend. You know, but isn't that the smile? Isn't that the fundamentals of of not getting carried away and staying, you know, staying kind of focused? And like, you know, if you start celebrating all those little moments, then maybe 15 seconds after celebrating the moment, then you might be going, oh, I shouldn't have done that or. Whereas you can maintain uh, a demeanor or a, um, only if you're you know, thinking about the next play. Only if you're. So That's the true, reason yeah. why you stay uh, poker faced is because you're thinking next play, right? Win the next moment. But mm. like you're, you're so like everybody. When, whenever that happens, you're so conscious of what's going on. You know what's happening, but you're just not acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just I, I wish. I, I wish people would. I wish you got to see the real people, and you got to see real smiles and real enjoyment. Well, I think I think Pete is like that, you know, full stop. That's his demeanor. It's different for you because when you were in a moment like that, you're a happy-go-lucky person, and and you were probably consciously telling yourself, "Don't celebrate this moment." Yeah. But you're 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 a more maybe for someone like you who's a more of a positive person, you could have been like. This is this will make me a better or more enjoy my game more if I celebrate like Zeebs the way Zeebs when he does something or he's just having a laugh. If you yeah. take that away from him, it'll make him a different player. Yeah. So I suppose it's if if you're a coach or if you're uh, like Ryan was saying, his uh, performance coach maybe he would be telling certain individuals who maybe lack confidence or or doubt themselves that they need to enjoy those moments all the time. Yeah, well, I remember I think I told you this it's before, good. but John O'Gibbs. Um, uh, whenever he was with Ulster, we scored a try against Treviso. Not not an important try, really, um, away from home. And Jono said, um, uh, I can't remember, he said, like, did, did we work hard for that try? Or, or what happens next? Did, did we work hard for that try? And they were all like, yeah. And he said, why does nobody look happy? Why does no one look pleased with, like, we've accomplished something that we trained hard on, we executed it correctly, and why are we not happy? And uh, I think you've seen this from Saracens as well. Like Saracens do this and England do this. They're all, they bring an energy all the time. Mm. And now that's yeah. fake. That's as fake the other direction, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, John was making the point, you know, if we score, if we score a try or we execute something we trained hard at and we get it right, why don't we enjoy that? We, we're present. We're all together. We're celebrating. 
and it's more it's we, we create a bit of an atmosphere out of that and that energy then creates more energy um, yeah it's a bit i know what i'd be i know i know what i'd be going with it i'd be going with celebrating the moments if, if that works but each to their to their to their own i think um but it was uh it was a brilliant performance brilliant game i thought early was unbelievable um oh, he mar- like he completely dominated Israel Falau. I know Falau was 15, or as he was on the wing, but he did a lot of interactions with each other and he just mm. got in his face. He was smashing him at rocks. He was tackling him a few times, won a few high balls. Uh, like got smashed by him in the corner. Remember that? And he... And he, and he wriggled out and then fully yeah. had, had him in a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the knock-on. <laughs> Look at the headlock ref. Yeah, sorry, I didn't even I didn't notice that at all. I was kind of looking at the Erzy just dropped it as he was putting it down. But yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, now that I think about it, but I just think it was good as well. I thought oh. was fast. <laughs> Great, Nick. Then uh, Sexton, like again, just looked. He looked like he was just playing as a ten. Tig Furlong was unreal. Uh, had yeah. some huge moments. Had some huge moments. And uh, yeah, all in all, good game. Very worth the watch. Um, but we move on. We've, yeah. It's been a long show. We'll move on to... It's too much rugby. Way too much rugby. The, yeah, but that's good. I think we could do a whole show on that as well. Um, the Truman Show. What a film, man. Hang on, I get my notes on this. So how like, how appropriate is this for this time as well? I know the Groundhog Day was unbelievable, um, the suiting, but anyone that hasn't seen the film, it's on Sky. It's free if you have Sky. Um, the premise to, is... To give, our, to give our, our penguins a bit of a shout out here, yeah. We got like some traction in the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, you put ignored, the question in, and we ignored every suggestion. <laughs> did none of them suggest this? I don't think so. Oh shit! Yeah, and there did so that. many, so many good movies suggested by the Penguins, and then um, I text Barry a few, like a bit of a short list, thinking you would select one of them, and you just went, "Nah, Truman Show." <laughs> I texted a few of my mates and one of them came back with this and I was like, yes. Yeah. So I, I but I agree that the penguins did have uh loads of good options. So thank you for that. <clears throat> but I think they no one's gonna disagree with this one. It's very fitting for this time again, similar yeah. to Groundhog Day. Uh Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Ed Harris, directed by Peter Wynn back in 1998. Premise is basically uh Truman, whatever his surname is, uh, I can't remember. Um, Buzzwall or something. He is a 30-year-old. Jim Carrey plays him. He is, I don't know, he works in some office in a lovely little seaside town in Florida. And But his whole life is basically a reality TV show that he's unaware of. And he has grown up with everyone around him being an actor, including his parents, his wife, uh, his job, and everyone that he interacts with every day. And then he starts to see some holes in it. And then the whole thing unfolds. He's basically inside a big, huge dome, which they've created a world. Mm. And they've even even created scenarios like his father dying uh, from drowning at a young age, which made him afraid of water. So he never wants to leave where he lives. Um, brilliant idea. And this was before a reality TV show was ever a thing. And obviously it's different because he doesn't realize that he's, in the TV show, he thinks that this is his real life. So this was ninety ninety eight. So yep. Big Brother, Big Big Brother was the first reality TV show, wasn't it? Yeah. After and this, it was like what two years? Two years later? Three years? Yeah, like ninety nine, two thousand or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is with this, the reason why this that movie lands and and people identify because 
like most movies I watch or most stories I read or, or anything, you, you put yourself in situations. If someone's telling you a story, you put yourself there and you always think, I wonder what I'd be like, you know, watching Commando. I would be like, imagine I was like, they killed all these, <laughs> killing all these bad guys. I could do that. I could definitely do that. Or if I was like home alone, you know, and the robbers breaking into my house, you know, I could, you know, swing yeah. paint cans off the balcony. And I could take them. I could do that. Put a fridge down the stairs. Yeah. I could do all that. No problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you watch this and you're like, everybody, even like everybody has wondered. I, I wonder, even before I, this, I think people have wondered, is my life, is this my life? Am I in the Truman Show? Am I right? Or is it just... Oh yeah, my mate, like when I put it into the, to my mates, they were like, we've all had moments in our life usually. And it wasn't from a narcissistic point of view. It was just moments in their life where they've been like, things have been so fucking mental that they've gone, am I in the Truman Show here? Yeah. Or something when you're maybe a teenager and you're a little bit naive. Um, however, saying that, I think this, you could easily be in the Truman Show, man. You fit, you fit the Truman bill so well, like. Oh, yes, there's some abuse coming here. I'm looking forward yeah. to this. <laughs> you're you're kind of squeaky and happy, and you could be strolling on. Hey, good whoa, afternoon, good evening, good day, good night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know your missus is a doctor, and you've got a happy life, and the three kids, and all this and stuff. And then they 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 make you uh, quite religious, and yeah, dad dies. Everyone was. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they forced, like, made you really religious, so you were quite good and you were likable and stuff like that. You're real happy and you're very well behaved because they couldn't handle you if you were fucking off the wall. Unpredictable. When you, he gets unpredictable, they can't handle him. Yes, they made you straight laced, got you into rugby. Ah, he, you know, they'd be good. Had to make it entertaining for people to watch and stuff. Selling like insurance. That. <laughs> yeah. So they got you into that and then they were like, oh, let's get him out of rugby. And they got you out of that. And then they want to make you a bit edgy. So they bring me into your life. And uh, and I make too much, too edgy. Get rid of them. <laughs> edgy. <laughs> and I start telling you, man, this is not real, man. This is all. It's the aliens, man. They're controlling everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah, I don't know. You could you could fit it, but um, did you ever did you ever feel like that? Uh, no, but I do. Um, <laughs> okay. I am skeptical. Um, I think if um. Because they like they had the they, remember Ed, Ed Harris talks about they do the interview with him as the director and he talks about it all started with that one camera like it was like in in, in mm. the room or like they had a they had footage of him in the room or whatever it was mm. so, so straight evil. away like he's been in that environment if he's in that environment he would have spotted the weird stuff and the loops and and all the, the all the fakers and extras early on or no sorry he would have been so used to them that he never would have noticed them I don't think he I don't think if that if that actually happened. You would never really notice it because it would be all you ever knew and there would never be a moment like when you're 30 and go you know what this is all fake it would never happen hmm yeah yeah maybe there was a lot of cracks like there's a few weird little things your entire world you've no idea you've no idea okay yeah it's everything like everything you've ever learned is there so you just take it i looked yeah maybe i think like we're we're all living in this own kind of in our own reality now like reality tv show now with all our social media and stuff like that so there's a similar kind of uh world that we've all created around ourselves now right where we're looking at ourselves and wanting to be like perfect and stuff and 
it's it's how can you like I always think about how do you live in that world but be authentic is that is it you know because it's like I don't want to just get rid of all social media but I like to live in it and be real because it's it's so much of it is so fake that people will start which comes first like they start becoming fake because of it or are they fake anyway because they've always grown up with it yeah. you know it's a bit of a it's a I bit think of a it's when fuck. you start singing songs in the camera that's I think that's, the that's me <laughs> that's me being me man if I didn't do it that wouldn't be me I'm only, I know you don't like that I'm sorry I was no I do, I do have, the, have the have the schlag uh, um, Jim Carrey is unbelievable a, one other quick one uh, yeah. You mentioned a few weeks ago Unorthodox, the documentary or the the, the series on Netflix. I watched it yeah. last week and it's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing, Brilliant. really, really powerful class. And I mean, that will, could be similar, could be like him. Yeah, yeah. similar themes. Whenever he 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 got out of the place at the end, <clears throat> why on earth would he like cope or get on in, in the real world? That mm-hmm. I mean, it just might reminded me of that that girl when she gets out of that. Um, Do you know what? what yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. there's there's a brilliant. Um, I read that the Truman Show originally the script was he was supposed to be based in New York and it was much darker. Uh, he was like uh, he was a bit of a drug or an, alco- an alcoholic was cheating on his wife with prostitutes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they were like, we can't have him be that it can, that weird because it's not that relatable and it's kind of depressing. So we needed to be like he is your stereotypical happy-go-lucky fluffy 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 everything's great and it's like that's what it's like when you go on like because it's basically the whole show is about being controlled by branding or products or consumerism mm. and how your whole mm. life and your your experiences are being controlled you're being told what to do and i suppose they're there if they did that new york would be quite different to that because he'd be you know making his own mistakes but that's why i see all these people on instagram and social media and stuff they're like yeah chick got this and stuff like that. I was like, that's so fucking weirdly fake. And, and I don't know how to deal with that. I can't take yeah. it in. It's so, it's so fake. Um, it makes me hate those products. Y- y- yeah. Essentially like want them less. Not, yeah. Um, uh, I had another, Oh yeah. So the Charles Manson thing that I'm watching. So, or listening to, uh, that's all based in Hollywood when, you know, Hollywood in the 60s was such a crazy place and everyone was massively influenced and still is massively influenced. Like we've also watched In the Shadows, which is a documentary that came out recently, which is about how Hollywood controls our brains with um, everything we see in Disney, everything we see on television shows, and everything. which is a bit far-fetched, but there's something in it, how we're programmed by what we watch on TV, obviously, because that's all we fucking talk about. But um, yeah, this, this Charles Manson thing, like he got into Hollywood and everyone that was living in LA at the time, they were all like, um, in the 60s, they were, everyone became kind of, it was hard to tell different people apart. So everyone was like either a hippie or, uh, a, you know, a businessman, an actor, a musician, whatever. But everyone kind of looked the same. Everyone was just living this wild life. And people became quite, it was hard to tell who was evil, who was good, who was bad, who was talented, who was shit. And uh, it just became this weird, this weird world. And when Charles Manson did all those, you know, I suppose, inflicted the murders, he didn't actually commit them himself, but he uh, was responsible for them. Um, It blew a hole open in Hollywood. And it was, you know, you realize the underbelly of Hollywood was that it was dirty and grimy. And uh, there was a lot of, 
you know, people like the government, police, uh, politicians, everyone involved in making it a, a pretty, uh, I don't know what's the word, uh, just a dangerous place that that was kind of quite controlling and everyone then wanted to be a part of it. Like we all kind of, everyone's like, oh yeah, Hollywood and everyone mm. wants to be. So I just feel like the Truman Show is almost that in a bubble. It's like make, trying to make people the ideal life. And uh, mm. I think we're all, we're all kind of experiencing that now. We're looking at the social media and kind of all oh, the ideal life, but it's all fake. And End of my rant. So yeah, no. So that ideal life on on social media and Instagram is, um, everybody's trying to be unique at the minute. Everybody's trying to come up with something different or quirky, and the sooner we realize we are all exactly the same, the better. Because I so I've I've started doing a bit of baking, made a few sardos, um, I've ordered a coffee machine. I'm 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 gonna get. I'm not gonna start kneeling the latte art. As soon as I start thinking that, then um, I look at Sean Reedy's um, Cook to Sardo. I'm like, that was going to be my thing. <laughs> I'm like, he's done that now. There's other he's people doing it. it. Yeah, everybody's... So you're, you're judging yourself based on him. You're kind of comparing yourself, looking at him. Yeah, well, yeah. Or I'm just saying, you think you're unique. You think you're doing something different. Everybody's doing exactly the same thing. Everybody's eating more. Everybody's trying to do 100 burpees a day. Everybody's doing mm. your um, that run. <laughs> whatever it's called yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and everybody's doing exactly the same stuff and we're all exact we're all clones because we've all got exactly the same influences we're all the, we're all truman truman yeah, buckwheat or whatever his name is jim carrey so we got to break out break out of it we can't and jim carrey broke jim carrey broke out of it man so this is the re- like jim carrey is living the truman show he became like the crazy famous most famous person in the world charging 20 million for his films uh, over like a four-year period from dumb and dumber to pet detective then the truman show and then he kind of went a bit mental over the last few years but it's kind of him just real you know have you seen all those interviews and he's realizing that uh i've seen it all he did he did a bit with um jerry seinfeld jerry seinfeld um comedians drinking coffee in cars or something did you see that one Mm, i didn't see it he's weird in that was this was um um truman show it was before eternal sunshine was that it yeah yeah, i'd imagine so yeah yeah weird weird like he like that was a reflection of where he was going at the time the other Mm. thing is he he um truman show was the most normal role for a while that he played and there were moments where there's the mask is Ventura, mm. <laughs> where there are just moments you're like, there you are. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And he's got that face and he's doing, yeah. yeah. He's perfect though. He's such a, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Yeah. Um, and the man on the moon, I told you about this before that documentary is on Netflix. Here comes the cat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Ginger or Scotty. Yeah. Man on the moon. Yeah. Uh, he was in that as well. And the documentary is on Netflix. Actually, you should check it out. Uh, and he's just, Again, kind of, he's living, he becomes Andy Kaufman. Long story, won't get into it. We, we've we got to discuss 22 million, Bon Iver, finally. You're not a fan, even though you're supposed to be going to the gig tonight. I'm going to call in Dermot, our uh, genius videographer, who's going to come in here and tell me how much he loves Bon Iver. Welcome to the show, Dermot, our Bon Iver kind of co- correspondent. Correspondent, connoisseur. connoisseur, whatever it is. Yeah, so Dermot, we were all supposed to be in the three like- arena tonight. Sorry, go yeah. on to Trimby. You look like, very quickly, um, you've seen Zach Galifianakis between two ferns. <laughs> <laughs> between some sort of tree and some sort of a, 
thing. Planned. Yeah. Planned. It's the mm. follow-up series. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. it's lower budget though. I'll watch it. Yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah. So Go we're on. supposed to be in the three arena tonight. Um, lording up Bonnie there, his sounds mm-hmm. washing washing through us. Um, but alas, we are not. We're here in our kitchen talking shite about it. But yeah. um, I know for uh, for Emma forever ago, his uh, second album, first, first first album, first album, their, fir- their first album um, was uh, your, is one of your favorites of all time. We could spend all day talking about that and yeah. how he created it in on his own. He went up to well, also in isolation, cabin. so weird, weirdly appropriate for isolation, just like the Truman Show. Mm. So we probably should have picked. We probably should have picked that one, shouldn't we? <laughs> but um, so you can talk briefly on it. That's tell us what, how he recorded that. Uh, well, so that like that's he's really really. So he broke up with his band, broke up with his missus, and got mono and pissed off back home to Wisconsin. And like I think his dad had like some shed in the woods, like a cabin, and he just bit into the cabin. I think he got addicted to like online gambling, and it didn't intend on making any music. But I think as like the creative genius that is Justin Vernon. I don't know. You keep him away, keep him away from it for for too long. And fucking made forever, forever ago, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Mm. And I think what I love about that, you said he he got addicted to online gambling, etc. He wasn't going down there, and like his story isn't like oh, I was just making music every day. Yeah, he yeah. was like drinking booze in his underpants for like a yeah, couple of yeah, days yeah. a week, just fucking old chopping wood, messing around, and then he just. He'd pick up a few instruments and start playing tunes. That's it. Like, and it's just, and, it, and it's so good. Like, and it's just something that come like just him in isolation, thinking about a relationship, and it's just brilliant. And oh mm. man, and you can read, you can really see it in the in in the album as well. It's it's sort of it almost has a feeling that it was never supposed to be seen by anybody, but then got picked up and and and, and he ran with it. Like, yeah. And as as good as that was in isolation to write something like that, and as as poignant as it is for us now i feel having li- li- to listen to 22 a million mm. and sit down and let in times like this listening to an album like that for me just resonates with me like the songs sound like uh you know parts of my day i listen to certain songs and yeah. i can think i feel it i can i can visualize it it's really um like this the sounds the samples he used like what a, a step in in an unusual direction every song pretty much has a sample on it um we went for more electronic uh hip-hop kind of yeah. grooves and sounds um very unusual and such a step in a different direction for from the last album but like all of his albums are like, uh, like I'm I'm a big fan of the streets, and and one of the reasons I really like the streets is that like every song tells a, a story, but every album is like this continual thread of like the start to the finish of the album. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 not it's not like just twelve songs on a record. It's like it's a it's a story, and each song is a chapter. Totally. And every Bonnie Vare album is is a, is a story, and like twenty two million. Uh, like even IMI, his newest album, which is sort of more down the vein of 22 million in terms of the sound, all of them are brilliant in terms of story, but even individual songs, like like I think Creeks is one of my favorite songs of all time. I think, like I remember this, you know, like Spotify did that thing uh, where they, at the end of the year, they give you like what you've listened to. I think Creeks was like my second most listened song and my first most listened song, I think was like, I think it was it was either Hema or IMI. It was just like he is mm, he's, he's, real, he's a yeah. big chunk of my listening. Like he's, he's and like that, like especially now, he just seems to be he just seems to be playing in my house on repeat. 
it's either like that or or the Rolling Stones are on on repeat in my house at, mm. at the moment now. Like it's it's one or the other. From I think you're right. Like when I was listening to it, uh, I, tr- I was like, okay, what what's going to be my favorite song? What am I going to pick? And uh, I picked Moonwater, right? Which yeah. mightn't stand out as my favorite song. But the reason I picked it is because it sets up Eight Circle, the next song, mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. That you, like you said, it's like a chapter in a book. It's, a, it's telling a story. You can't have Circle Eight. Eight Circle wouldn't be as good without Moonwater coming before it. It's like I've pictured that it comes like about six or seven in the album, number seven. And it's yeah. like seven o'clock in the evening. You're sitting at a window and you're looking out across the sky. The sun is going down. The, su- the sky is lit. There's in UFOs. Because UFOs. <laughs> UFOs don't come out till about 10, man. They don't come out till like 1,000 a million. Uh, but it's, uh, you're at the point where it's dusk. There's birds flying in different directions and like the birds are kind of even talking to each other and stuff like that. They're like, well, man. And they're going like past each other. What's the crack? Uh, there's like smoke coming out of chimneys and you're just at that really lovely moment. And that's what that song actually sounds like. Yeah. And it's just like, it it's... In. it's but even like it's like does it's so hard to distinguish where one song ends and one song begins. Now there's a, like a couple of points. Like 22 million is quite. It's got a really jarring intro. But like if you yeah. go or sorry, uh, Creeks has a really uh, jarring intro. But even like over soon mm. or like like 45, which follows eight, is just like I I feel like I could list that album off by heart. And it's almost a shame to to put it into playlists. But it's in almost every playlist I have. But it's just, yeah. it, it listens so well back to back. Like, I think every day that I've had a shower now in the last week, I've just thrown on 22 million, um, uh, except for like no. maybe once. But like, it's just, it's so good to just listen to it and then like go about your day after your shower and, and, and continue listening to it or like in the evening, just fucking, it just suits a day so well. Like I, I'm, I could genuinely sit down and talk about Bonnie Vare. And I'm pretty sure you and I did once inside in a pub on uh, across from Vicar Street after like a Guinness event. I think we just spent like three hours talking about Bonnie Iver. Um, yeah. But like it's, it's oh, you could. just... You could talk about him all day. He's, 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 uh, his approach is so genuine and his lyrics are, are so, I don't know. I don't even know what he's singing about half the time, but they're so pointed. And look, this yeah. is, we, we're not, we're reviewing the album. So we've given it a uh, massive praise. Trimby, you're, you're just not as, uh, as moved by it. Uh, no, I, I just... I wasn't really, I haven't, I'm not really a fan this week. Obviously, I listened to it a little bit, um, preparing um, what, you know, what I have to say, something, you know, mm. to just try and keep my head above water in this conversation, really. Um, uh, for me, I just, I was going to go to the gig just for a night away with the boys. Well, you're, you're in the Truman Show, man. So when you come through that big blue sky and you come out the other <laughs> side, yeah. Dearman Lai, Lai will be waiting for you. <laughs> We'll all we'll all hold we'll all hold hands and we'll walk Crazy. off. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting years for you, man. Welcome. Uh, I don't know if, if Bonnie Bear is the gig to go to with the boys though. Like I remember I saw him at um at uh, Melt Festival in Berlin last summer and uh, or just outside Berlin and I've never seen so many people crying at a gig, not to mention it like a festival. Like people like would be crying, you know, he was the Sunday of a festival. So there's a big come down buzz there. And <laughs> there is that element of it as well. But I feel like even if he was on the Friday, like you, you just, I, I remember looking at this girl and she was bawling, crying. And I was like, geez, are you all right? And she's like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But he's just like, he's, and that's at a festival. And, and like, I'm really, I'm like genuinely upset that, that he's not playing 
because like a lot of people give the three arena a stick, but like it's it's a grand venue, it does the job. But even like Bonnie Very, like there's a documentary out about this upcoming tour and the amount of work he put into the acoustics of this tour. And mm, but yeah. I think I think Trimby, you would have been with your mates. And then you wouldn't have been able to speak to your mates for like two weeks afterwards because you'd just be an emotional wreck after the gig. You're like, Christ, was Trimby crying at the gig last night? He doesn't even like Bonnie Bear. I know he's still, yeah. he's still crying though. He's still crying. Yeah, I'd be going. I went to the gig. I signed it. I'd like, I was like, I approved. I, I was like, I'm going for the intention of getting a night away for a, a night's crack yeah. for the boys. And then it would have turned out, I would have been calling on after the gig. <laughs> 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 I miss you so much. So Wake up your kids. Love you. Wake up the kids and give them the hug from me. Yeah. <laughs> Calling your parents, be like, I miss you guys so much. I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> but oh yeah, no, it's just he's phenomenal. Like and ah, oh, he just but even like 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 it's it's like do do you know of any of any of the other Bonnie Vera albums, Trimby? No, I don't. And I think I, I think I would like Bonnie Vera um because I, I, a couple of pieces i read were comparing that album to kid a radiohead yeah. Kid a. yeah and yeah, it's one, yeah. Of my, it's one of my favorite radiohead albums so yeah um i'll it, definitely get get stuck into it in isolation yeah it's it, no that is a, a decent comparison like i think like it's it, he's worth listening to just album after album because like he's had such a journey as an artist that like like uh do you know francis and the lights he's uh, like yeah. so uh francis and the lights and uh justin vernon the lead singer bonnie very used to live together and like Francis is like Hallmark is his USP is that like the the the, the vocal sound that's in Twenty Two Million, and he kind of showed it to Justin Vernon when they were living together, and he was like, "Oh look, look at this class thing that I've just invented," and Justin Vernon was like, "I fucking need that," and went through unbelievable amounts of effort to make it live, as in so Justin or so uh, Francis was doing all this stuff in post and had this sort of program running through all of his all of his vocals that would, was doing it in post. And and Justin Vernon went to like great lengths to be able to replicate that live. And even if like like especially like with Creeks, when you see him play it live, it, he doesn't go straight into it. He like takes so long to get mm. the, the 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 mix correct. Like you, you see him and like it's the opening looks like down along the creek. He'll just sing that over and over again until he's happy with it. And then it's just this unbelievable performance of it. And it, it just ah, uh, it's it's I really like I I love listening to live music i am I'd, I'd often have like a concert on in in the background rather than just a studio recording or something but um he's an artist that's definitely worth checking out live um, yeah if you if you watch his uh live at cork opera house and the mm. sounds of safe harbor uh, uh the whole gig is on youtube cork opera house sounds of safe harbor 2018 i'm gonna say yeah. that was uh that's pretty spectacular he and like as i said he gets loads of samples on there he's stevie nicks in one track he's got paolo mm. nutini tram every single track is in it has a sample on it and uh, he gets Fiona Regan on in the at the end of that gig to sing uh, Ten Thousand Million with him, and uh, it's just bananas. So good. Right, and just, uh, just, that's just the one I sang. That's the one I sang on my Instagram, Trimby, as you were saying earlier on. So if anyone wants to check out Beautiful. me covering Bon Ivers, go on my Instagram and you'll see Beautiful. it. Just mm. seeing you with uh, that cat, Barry. I'm just imagining you doing like a really lame drop down version of um, Tiger King, and it's like. The pussycat queen, that's you just wrestling with your little ginger cat in the kitchen. <laughs> He's fucking vicious, man. He'd take your eye out. He'd take Katie's eye out. Or Molly's eye out. Sorry. Um, what's your all right, so, uh, Scotty. No, Trimby's. 
Ginger. He doesn't know. He doesn't Ginger, know. the one he yeah. keeps plugging See. the fucking MIDI cord into. <laughs> yeah, well. exactly. Uh, all right, Jeremy, stay on. We're going to finish out. Uh, Trimby, we've got uh, Penguin of the Week to do. Um, yeah. And we've got them. Just give our yeah, general shout out. Loads of good chat um, from the Penguins. Loads of help uh, in selecting a, a movie of the week, uh, which we ignored anyway. But um, keep coming at us with suggestions, Penguins. And if you like the show, can you do us a favor? Leave us. Um, a rating and review on iTunes please that would go very very far to maintaining some sort of longevity when there's no rugby we're concerned about our careers <laughs> as uh, yeah. rug- rugby journalists and pundits yeah. uh, but anyway the Penguin of the Week very goes nice. to Katrina Sheridan she drew to our attention the fact that Dublin Zoo welcomed its first penguin chicks since 2013 so see they're everywhere everywhere a lot of penguin penguin related um, news this week so congratulations Mm. dublin zoo but even greater congratulations to katrina Um, katrina actually got on to us and she reckons she was the on the perfect uh, crossover between uh hermitage green and uh monster rugby uh pothole um (laughs) but she's just being quite i'm not sure she knows how offensive that should be I know because she's not. I know her. I've met her a few times. She's she's very very good penguin. So um, good penguin. Yeah, yeah. Sit, Paul. Keep penguining. <laughs> um. All right. We do love hearing from you, lads. So so yeah. Keep in touch and the drawings. Keep the drawings coming, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Dermot, have you had a good time on the show? I've had a fantastic time on every show that I'm ever working on. Brilliant. Amazing. Great crack. Yeah. Great You're crack. a legend. We love you. Uh, the only thing though is I can still hear you introduce me as the resident dork Trimby. So you and I now are on, on sketchy terms. Normally you can introduce people and they don't hear, only I hear how you introduce the people. But this time I heard how you introduced me. So you, you better watch yourself now, pal. I, I meant it as a compliment. It just means uh, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. He's panicking now. He's panicking now because I've got all the records. <laughs> yeah, right. Enough. Yeah. He, he could bring us down, boy. He could. He could. He bring me down, not you. No, we've, we, me and Dermot are like that, man. He's a monster boy, like. Is this? Cork, All the way from bread. Cork. Well, yeah. not born, but bread. Bread. That's good enough yeah. for me. All righty. Look, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby. Thanks to everyone uh, for listening. Thank you for anyone watching on YouTube. Hello to you all there. Thanks to everyone who was involved in putting together this show. It's, uh, it takes a lot of work, obviously, that we're all in our different uh, homes. So thanks to Dermot. Thanks to Pat. Producer Pat is nailing it. Thanks to Paul, who is uh, just doing an unbelievable job on sound. Thanks to Anthony for all your editing work. Um, uh, this has been Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby here on Joe. Together with Guinness. Party on. Party on. Party on. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe. Together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.